0: Welcome, everyone, to episode two two five of Comics from the Multiverse, the DC Comics podcast, brought to you by Mailfuzz TV. I'll usually say that, but I'm emphasising it. It's been it. a while since you said that. Yeah, I'm emphasising it this week. Damn it! Uh, I am Peter joining me, unfortunately, on his own this week is Connor.
1: Yeah, I'm still here. Yes,
0: yeah, so I, st- I still pray i don't pray for anything else, but I get a little I get a few candles out at I, 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 I kneel down and pray for the return of Matt so I'm not alone with Connor.
1: Joe, that was a more positive angle than I thought you were gonna take. I, I I assume when you when you said oh you got some candles out, I thought you were gonna do a to like, do a ritual to to, to offer me or something.
0: There's time. <laughs> There's time. is not done yet. Um no, no, so... it's not. <laughs> that's, uh... Yeah, DC Comics Podcast, coming up on this week's show, we have Batman 3 Jokers issue 3, Dark Knight's Death Metal Rise of the New God issue 1, Wonder Woman 765, The Flash 764, Suicide Squad issue 10, Action Comics 1026, Justice League Dark 27, Batman Superman 13, and I have a Patreon book, I think Connor has one too. I do. Yes, there you go, so a couple of Patreon books as well, Uh, we'll get into what they are when we get there. Uh but that is what's coming up on this week's show. Uh, it is a very quiet week for news though. Uh not a lot to, to go on here. If I all all the only thing I have, I'll just get it out of the way before we ramble about whatever else for an intro. Uh is the delay, a three month delay on one of the original graphic novels that were coming out, uh with Catwoman Soul Sealer for some reason. Uh it's been pushed back to June first, twenty twenty one. So
1: Yeah. I don't know if th- I think this is one of the teen ones. This one's actually an adaptation of one of the prose novels that they did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I didn't read this particular one. I read some of the, the lowest ones they did completely, yeah, probably five years back now. Uh, they're quite fun for what they were. Uh, yeah. I don't recommend them if, if if someone is into that sort of thing. Yeah, it doesn't seem to
0: actually be a reason given for the delay. It's just it's three months I later mean,. Then
1: we can probably extrapolate given the state of the world. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. I guess. But yeah, usually they would say something, like, I mm. don't know. Well, it would have been
0: that. So I suppose they don't. I guess I'm just too used to it with regular comic books blaming the artist, and I'm not necessarily doing that here because it was such a, a far-out project anyway that I never really thought about it, but...
1: Yeah, and it is a full graphic novel, so, like, a, de- a-, a delay to a monthly book by three months is pretty significant, you know, because it's 20-odd pages for a graphic novel that's going to be between one to three hundred pages kind of anywhere in that range these have tended to fall it's a, it's a lot more work yeah so
0: that's basically it that's, that's all the news really this week uh, as far as i could t- see i mean by all means t- let us know if i've if I missed something i'll bring I, it up next week but
1: i do think that was pretty much all of it which is uh yeah it's a quiet week
0: uh, we're expecting a relatively quiet solicits because it's just going to be part twos and whatnot of everything we got last solicit so it's probably going to be a relatively quiet rest of, not the rest of the year because we'll have march solicits in december but until december it's probably going to be relatively yeah, quiet. yeah they
1: might be kind of juicy i've seen a handful of different dc editors kind of teasing projects you know not even like explicitly just being like oh all these pages of books that aren't even announced yet uh at least one Black Label uh, book uh, was specifically mentioned that hasn't been announced yet, so... yeah, Definitely was, still more Black Label coming, despite all those fears uh, a few months ago.
0: There is a possibility that, because of so many new books possibly coming in March, that they'll actually start revealing them individually as, as big special announcements one by one on the build-up mm. to the solicits, meaning that we may actually have a couple of nice weeks of news before those, but... uh I, I suspect the next month or so is probably going to be relatively quiet. But who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll, they'll release, release something early. Or reveal something early, I should say. Uh, because it has a big slate. I mean, we'll find out, I guess. Otherwise, uh, that's basically it. News, news for, the, for the week, DC. Wow, I don't even think the movies or
1: anything had... News. Star Stargirl cast a couple of villains. That's about it. There was premiere dates for the CW shows. So oh, yeah. They're yeah. a bit more staggered than usual. But, I mean... That's barely worth talking about. And, and the only one that I am interested in doesn't have a date yet, which is presumably a mid-season show that, uh, again. So, you know. I saw the headline. I don't even click on it. I don't care.
0: <laughs> I don't really argue with that. I don't care when the CW shows are coming back. I have cut them from my life. Uh, I have been all the better for it. I have been
1: a happier person. Still plan on watching Legends, alright. At I've some not, point. I've still not watched last season yet, but... No, 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 uh, but just at some point, like, that's not, like... It's yeah, not entirely... It's like, no, that'll be a nice binge at some point. It's entirely possible that I won't watch that now until
0: it's finished, and then I'll watch, what, you know, two, three seasons, whatever it ends up being that I've not seen. I may just end up binging all of it in one yeah, fail that's fair. But But, yeah, I've not felt... Co- I mean, I, I am looking forward to getting to that at some point, but I've not felt compelled as of yet to go and watch the one season that I've not seen. Um... With The rest of them, I mean, I, I, honestly, the time away from them has just made me realise just how much I want wanted rid of them in the first place. Uh, <laughs> I, I see, like, the one random news article talking about, Ah, oh, such and such has happened on Flash, or we've got this coming on next season of whatever.
1: And I, I'm just kind of like, I'm so glad I don't have to watch this. I don't feel that. I don't feel glad about it. I feel indifference. Every time I see anything about them, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I guess they still exist. Like, uh, I think it was just we- this week we saw the uh, the new Batwoman, yeah you know, the the uh, the the new person they cast in the outfit for the first time. I think that was this week. So I saw that image going around. Um, there was new images. I'm like, I think the first time we saw her was actually a little bit ago, like a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't think we saw her in the outfit. We saw her in the mask. Oh, maybe, maybe this was the full thing. Yeah, but
0: there was definitely an image, because I remember looking at it, because I saw it getting shared around this week. And it was a new image, but
1: I, I remember seeing at least the mask already. So. I mean, uh, I didn't see that, so I can't say. But, the, you know, headlines fine. were sharing it with, you know, first look. So I'm assuming that maybe it was just here for the full outfit.
0: I'm, uh, you know, if people who listen to this show are still enjoying the CW stuff, by all means, enjoy it. You know, get whatever out of it you get. I, I just. It wore me down over years of even the things that were good in some of the shows sort of degrading over time and like, get to the point where I couldn't even muster up energy at the end of Crisis to even like like because uh, part of me, even though we decide, well we're not going to do the the TV DC podcast anymore, part of me thought that Crisis might like, excite us again and be like oh maybe we'll come back, I got to end of the Crisis and went, no I'm good <laughs> I'm good too. I, could just, I could just walk away, never have to think about it again it was a, a decent enough way of saying goodbye and not having to stick around um i i think it was almost this hope of them being better because we wanted good dc shows and you know we've obviously had a couple from elsewhere but we almost like forgave the quality and i think in the time since the cwdc show started and by that i mean arrow onwards i'm not talking about smallville uh in that time, like, the, the, the rise of streaming and cable shows and what we consider to be good TV has, like... It's not, it's not, it's not like they don't have bad shows, because they have tons of bad shows, but the the pinnacle and what we consider to be the, the threshold and the standards we have now have changed so much that I kind of
1: didn't realise just how much I was kind of letting those shows slide because of what they were. Right. Uh, uh, well, you, you think about it, when Arrow died Netflix was still in its infancy, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I even had Netflix yet when I was started. I don't think I had either. Um, which you know, and now that's kind of unfathomable, right? In in terms of the, just even if you don't personally have Netflix, you know, whoever's listening to this, it is still probably you know one of the most used ways of consuming TV now. Uh, it's 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 right up there for sure. Oh, I'm using it actually. just because we were talking. Because I think the prices are increasing soon. Uh, they are in the US.
0: Yeah, I think they. Didn't they increased in Canada a few months ago. Yeah. Um. But I was kind of looking. I was, and it sort of occurred to me that after, because obviously I'm watching Star Trek Discovery with Netflix. Is that once that's done? I actually probably could just cancel it for a while because there's like nothing kind of on the horizon that that I can see that I'm actually mm. going to use it for. And I've never, and I don't really care that much. It's it's just because I've just kind of had it as a standard ongoing thing for years and years at this point. But it kind of occurred to me that you know I probably could just save a bit of money, given that I'm now juggling more streaming services. Maybe I don't need to have Netflix all the time. Like you know, I can cancel it for a month or two here when it, I don't I need it anymore.
1: I I still tend to use it most days. Um, or yeah, you know, me or Paige, one of us will use it, watch something, even if it's not an original. They'll they'll be just it's 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 got it's still got tons of like random sitcoms for me just stream and put on in the background. Yeah, I, I I really don't.
0: Uh, as far as movies go as well, I, I tend to use Prime way more because it just has a lot more random movies. Because uh, yeah. it has, you know, it's quirky movies from the 70s and 80s as opposed to the slew
1: of original the, Netflix the, movies, which the, are mostly <laughs> just bland shite. No, they are. Prime tends to have the schlock that they could pick up stupidly cheap and just pad out the library. And, and every once in a while, one of those is worth watching. No, it's not even just schlock. They have a
0: lot of really interesting, like kind of like cult movies from like, the seventies and eighties. There's, there's a lot. of mm-hmm. the, the, the the prime library is hard to browse, so it's hard to find this stuff. But, it is terrible, but it's surprisingly dense with just uh, all the weird things that are on there. So, uh, I tend to use it a lot more for for streaming. I because I, I, I do. Is I, there I, any streaming service though that is good to browse? I do watch party stuff on uh on streams quite often. It tends to. I'd say eight times out of ten, we're we're doing something on Prime. That's what we're watching, and every so often it'll be a Shudder movie or something like that. Is one of the odd two. Uh, I I I think in like the year and a half that I've been doing that with uh, the live audience, I, I think I've maybe used Netflix like twice for a movie mm-hmm. in that time. Um, and I like Netflix's originals. I'm not I'm not trying to uh like downplay it, but I just I realized that oh, I probably I have pockets of time where I just don't need to bother having it because there's nothing on That's it I'm fair. watching.
1: I watch a lot more. TV on Netflix, and I do movies, even like you know non-original stuff. uh, I I do watch a lot of just kind of whatever's on there. Uh, Especially, it's it's a catch-all.
0: Because I was saying this the other night, I've kind of I finally had to start paying properly for Spotify because I went a long time without having to. I I got six months for free because I signed up to Game Pass for one month like late last year, and then I got three months for like a pound for some other reason. Um, so I, I basically went nine months. With Spotify Premium without ever really paying for it outside of one pound, so I got I got to the point where I I do kind of like some things about other services more. There's some features on Amazon, whatever they call it, Amazon's music service, maybe it's just <laughs> Amazon Music, is it Amazon Music or Prime Music maybe? Because I've I've had that before and I, I kind of liked some features about that. Uh, but Spotify's discoverability and recommending things is so good that I've gotten so used to having it that I'm like oh, I just need to pay for this now. <laughs> Par part of me really wants to jump around and get more free trials and just sort of game the system, but there's a a level it's of more hassle than it's worth after a point. Yes, yeah, so, so I'm I'm stuck now uh with Spotify. At least for now. I mean I'm not saying that I couldn't be swayed to another service if there's a good reason to, but at least for now I seem to have settled um mm. with uh with Spotify. Um yeah, I don't know why this turned into a discussion of streaming services. We somehow got there. From CW shows. Uh, I'm, not,
1: I'm not sure how we got there, but here we are. Mm.
0: But yes, uh, I mean, I tried to cancel Shudder uh, last week. I mean, I wasn't actually close to, like, I, I just paid for a month. I thought, oh, this will go to mid-November. I don't really need it beyond that point just now. I can take a break, let the movies build up again. But when I tried to cancel, it said, hey,
1: do you want a free month? And I was like, sure. <laughs> I did this, but I was very confused because it, it told me, it was like, you know, the, 5th or 6th of November, whenever it expired. I was like, I'll cancel it so I don't forget. Uh, and it went, do you want a free month? I went, sure, fine. But then still on my account page, still says next date, like the 5th of November. Yeah, no, it, it does like, that
0: every time it gives you a free month. That's not news.
1: Oh, uh, it does, okay. does that it's, to everyone. Most to me. places don't do that. That's a weird thing that us doing then. M- most places will go, here's your next billing date. Uh, and, and can to tell you that? It's not even a weird thing. It's just
0: that it's an oversight. They've not considered or thought about it yeah uh, but so no, as long as it goes to us free then i'll guess i'll leave it but i've still got it, so i've got that till what mid-december now
1: uh <laughs> going from from mm. that um so uh. yeah a- a- audible did that for me like i yeah uh, i cancelled my audible last week because i'd i've got a stack of books on there at the minute that i need to work through i don't need any more right now um and then like three days later they emailed me going do you want three months at half price? I was like, eh, tempting. Don't really need it, but tempting.
0: Yeah, I get lured back with Audible because they said they'd give me like three credits instead of one for my first month back, and I cancelled after that month because I don't go through books enough to justify sure. spending monthly to keep getting more. Uh, so I, I've got like f- between my first free trial and then that month that I got where i got three credits i've got like four things on there that i can listen to and one of them which was a quality buy was for one credit was the entire collection of every sherlock Holmes story by stephen fry uh Mm. for one credit that that, that i was like oh i mean i don't know when i'll ever get around to this but that's just too good value for one credit
1: (laughs) give me it yeah i got um i had credits to use up before i cancelled because if you cancel you lose your credits so you have to use them up first. Uh, there was a two-for-one sale on, and uh, Brandon Sanderson's newest trilogy. they huge books. Like I think the, the runtime on Audible is like 45 to 60 hours each. So I got all three of those for two credits. I was like, eh, go on then. Hmm.
0: Of course. My problem is, is that every time I try to listen to an audiobook, I end up just thinking, ah, it'll be easy to listen to a podcast. I'll have to pay as much attention, uh, and then I never get around to them.
1: That's, I, I go in and I'll, I'll jump it i'll tend to do a do a whole book however long that is and then i'll jump into a podcast and binge through i don't know 20 or 30 episodes and then i'll do another book
0: uh so you know hear what i'm saying people podcasts are better keep enjoying keep consuming the content and we will continue to produce content and then you can consume more content and then the cycle will ever live on and content will be consumed just to make this sound as soulless as possible.
1: But, but, but as I said, you, you don't need to pay that much attention to us. We can just kind of be on in the background. It's fine. That's also entirely possible. Uh, all right, let's get into the comics then. Uh, for this week,
0: we will start off with Batman: Three Jokers, Issue Three. Jeff Johns writing, with Justin Fabick on the art. Uh, this is, of course, the finale uh, to this mini series, which had a lot of hype behind it. And Issue Two was definitely interesting. Had some questionable developments, which I had some problems with. Uh, I went on a bit of a rant last time uh, mm. on the subject. And this, this issue, it kind of falls into a similar place for me, where there's a lot of things I like in it. There's a lot of ideas that I appreciate. There's definitely some moments from some character beats that I don't, I'm i not as fond of. There's, there's actually a moment where it almost kind of neatly dealt with the thing I didn't like in last issue, but then immediately... Ruined it again. Yeah. uh, I don't know if I'd go that harsh. Uh, You're guilty of always going the the harshest possible with your hyperbole. I'm
1: I'm not even going to be that harsh on this issue. My my problem, because I I think I, I I dislike the other two issues quite a bit for various reasons. I think the biggest feeling I have with a lot of this issue is indifference. That by the end, I'm like, why did this book exist? It didn't really do anything i didn't really chain anything i didn't really tell much of a story it just i'm just like what was the point in in this so you know it'd been so hyped up it was these three massive oversized issues that have been building up for years and i'm like is that it it's kind of like okay that's a weird conversation to have because
0: it's not it wasn't intended to be built for years that's like circumstances just lending to like by the time it comes out, because I, I, I highly doubt that at any point Johns was like, "Oh, let's hype this up for three or four years." Well, okay. So, okay, so the, by the time the it comes time... out, there's so much like weight and hype behind it that it can't possibly live up to anything that we've all
1: built up okay. in our minds. Right. Okay. I will give you that the the amount of time was not <laughs> their fault, but the the idea that this was set up as oh the three jokers thing. You know, at the end of the New Fifty Two, that's how long it's been since they set up that idea. Even, okay, okay, we're doing Doob's A Club, and this was coming out soon after. Let's let's say this was delayed by a couple of years from when they had it in their minds. It's still, it was, you know, in the works a while. It's supposed to be paying off this big thing that, you know, that they set up this big, you know, this big mystery. It's supposed to be, oh, you know, we're finally paying this off. Um, it's it's presenting the prestige format with, you know, these three big oversized issues that are relatively expensive. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's marked as a premium product as, well. Oh, this is this is a big thing. Even even if you take the amount of time that you're waiting for out of the equation. I think it was definitely played up as that. Um, and I don't think the story really is. I don't think the story is really anything. I think that's super subjective, though. I,
0: I mean, I, that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, it you know it's played up as this premium thing. I mean, from an art perspective, it's totally premium. From a page count perspective, it's totally premium. Uh, ultimately, what you're arguing here is that you don't think the story lives up to the the prestige that
1: it's been presented with. And- I, I don't think fundamentally there is that much of a story here. Yeah, it's, I, it's uh, not about you know like you know uh, I, I thought it was you know badly told or. You know, I, I just fundamentally do not feel there is much of a story. Um, and, and that is, a for me, it's quite a problem.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, that's not an issue I have with this. I have issues. Mm.
1: But I think that's fairly subjective. And again, it feels like... I mean, so, it, it is, of course it's subjective, but I mean, so are, all, all reviews are. Well, no, but there's
0: things that aren't subjective. But You said a lot of things in the last 30 seconds about... Uh, this, you know, being hyped as this thing and then it isn't actually that big a deal. Which, I mean, you can have that opinion, there's nothing wrong with saying you don't think it lives up to what it's presented as. But I, I don't necessarily get the the sense of it being promised to be anything other than just a story about Three Jokers. I don't know, I never... Hmm. I, I Like, I don't know what to expect from the Three joker story, I never did. It was always kind of this weird, like, hanging thread from the end of the New 52 from the start of Rebirth that... It was okay. I, I'm curious. I want to know where where Johns is going with this, especially since like I don't know if I necessarily like the idea of answering that that mystery. And to be fair, I kind of like that this issue makes a point of saying it doesn't matter <laughs> by the end of it. It's the one thing I agree with. Yeah. Um. In fact, I kind of even there's one part of the ending that I really like. I kind of like Batman. I don't to skip ahead too much, but Batman turned around and saying, "I've known since like year one what <laughs> who the Joker is." A,
1: a week after the Joker first showed up, yeah. like he said. Yeah,
0: I, I I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not the point. Um, What's interesting about this is that it sets up a couple of ideas, is that there is an original Joker, seemingly the criminal, who then created the other two Jokers, and the second Joker, the one who was in the killing joke, seems to be now canonized as the main Joker, who, not only that, but completely incorporates the killing jokes backstory that that was kind of the big if there's a moment in this that made me go oh shit they're doing this it was when he flat out started referencing that backstory from that book which we and i've always enjoyed the killing joke as a, as a story but i've never necessarily been fond of the idea of giving him a set backstory this is definitely who the joker is um so i think what this book is trying to juggle is the idea that Okay, the original Joker is still a complete mystery. We don't know who it is, but we still want to use that killing
1: joke version of the Joker. So we've found a way to kind of have a cake and eat it too. (laughs) That is, again, you said that it canonizes that. Technically, this isn't really canon either until other people start using it. Sure, yes. You know what I mean? It canonizes it it in terms of... (sighs) It's it's modernizing the potential for it to be canon.
0: It's canon in the sense... It's canon in this story. In this story... Is a version of canon that exists post the end of the New Fifty Two. Now, admittedly, it doesn't really sit with the rest of Rebirth, and that's kind of a weird. It's
1: it's thing. fundamentally the only way that this works, in terms of current continuity, is if this is slightly in the future. Uh, but Alfred, but it can't. But yeah, that's what I mean. But <laughs> Alfred is the big the big glaring problem with that. Um, I'm just assuming Alfred has to come back at some point for this to work. Um. Just because, obviously, we followed from, from you know, the the end of the new future where you learn this identity through to the present continuity. At no point is this costume hey, think, let's uh, a Let's take away d-
0: the debates of canon and continuity, right? Because I, I almost don't even want to bother with that, that yeah. annoying argument. When I say canon, all I mean is that it's based upon the history up to a certain point. It's based on real DC Comics canon history. Whereas most, like, standalone series or graphic novels or whatever, they're just created in their own little bubble where the history of what we think of the classic DCU isn't there. This still clearly has the, the history of the DCU, of post crisis, whatever, up until this point, up until sure. here and uh, things. So it's canon in the sense that it's building upon the canon of DCU, even though the actual main continuity has diverted and went other ways since where this
1: is set. It, it does almost feel like the inception of this idea was immediately at the start of rebirth that, that John's kind of started putting this down. And this was. Exactly where it would go next after, after you know, after the end of the new 52. Yeah, I mean,
0: honestly, you could probably throw it in and say that it it just it comes right after, uh, you know, it's set early rebirth. Even though the suit's a bit different <laughs> and stuff, the you all know, small details like that, you could you could go with that, I suppose, because uh, it also solidifies which one ended up being the Snyder Capullo Joker later. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but it, it shows you later on, uh, one of them with those scenes.
1: So it does, yeah. Uh... Mm-hmm.
0: But to get into it, uh you know, it establishes that you know maybe they've tried to
1: make more jokers over all these years. Um Yeah, we see like I think up to thirty, we see that there might be more on the table, but that's the yeah. highest number I see. Oh, actually I can see thirty eight, thirty nine, 39 uh, on the, the wider shot. Yeah. Um so and they're kinda of debating
0: about what to do. Jason and Bruce are kind of at each other's throats. Babs is trying to intervene, sticking up for Bruce does not something like that. Uh you know, uh, this page, next page here is the yeah, uh, is it this the Killing Joke one that's uh, becomes the Snyder one? The uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, so it it reestablishes the idea that the Killing Joke one's the one that we've really been dealing with for the most part of the last twenty thirty years.
1: Yes, because uh, obviously outside of Jason uh, being, to death, say, yeah, outside of that, <laughs> kind of after that period, it seems we switched to the the Killing Joke one, right? Yeah, it seems to be the case, um, and you know, I like
0: the first half of this is kind of whatever. Like, I, I you know, obviously the art's very good; it, it does look gorgeous. Uh, Batman, upon hearing that George Chill has been kidnapped, which we kind of knew about from the the last issue, uh, Batman goes to his cell and finds letters to Bruce Wayne, and we we find out that Chill was writing letters to Bruce trying to apologize for what he'd done. Uh, Batman kinda shrugs it off. He's like, Oh, it's a sick man who wants to repent. But the you know, the, the the warden says, No, he actually he's been doing that for years. That was like before he ever got sick. I think it was the uh the what was the doctor. The the, prison the,
1: doctor. Uh, yeah, well yeah, well, so it was someone wasn't the warden.
0: I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, I
1: suppose not. <laughs> um
0: Babs and Jason have an awkward moment outside where he tries to have a heart to heart kinda, <laughs> and uh, sh- she basically says that, you know, you've put us in a difficult place because we can't really turn you in because of how you're connected to us. So we kind of have to just let it go that you killed the Joker. But if you kill another one, I might not care. Like, I might just, I, you know, accept the fact that I'm going to have to unmask to, to put you away. Because uh, that was one of Jason's big thing in the opening couple of scenes is that he was kind of arguing to, oh, what are you going to do, Bruce? You're going to lock me up down here because you can't turn me into the justice system. Because if I if I go in there, then... All of a sudden, everything we've ever done gets called into question. Um, but you know, I love the sequence, uh, which is all art, it's all silent. It's just this: the three of them go into the the theater, and it's actually really funny based on what the arc we just had in Batman. How much of this is you know going back to the theater and? the Jokers, and try to make more Jokers. It's just there's a lot of interesting parallels between those stories. Yeah, that
1: is a weird, not even synergy, but weird coincidence, right?
0: Yeah. There, there's no way that was planned. Especially since Johns, you know, probably at least outlined what this story was, if not wrote it years ago. Yeah. So, they all go in, in separate entrances, and uh, Joker reveals he's got Joe Chill, and... wants the, the, to make him the new Joker? wants to make him the newest Joker, the idea he'll be the, the most personal Joker because of who he is. And you've got the criminal dangling him over the, the vat of the, the, the toxic waste and whatever, the chemicals. And there are parts to this this ending of the story that I really like. Obviously, Batman having to save Joe Chilla a couple of times is interesting from just a, a dramatic, you know, visual. But I did kind of like the, the... The idea that the killing joke Joker shoots the original joker shoots the criminal joker and basically says that he wanted because batman and joe chill have this moment where joe chill kind of uh you know gets saved by him and like thanks him and lets it be clear that he's sorry for what he's done and batman says you're welcome and it's this sort of dramatic moment where batman kind of finally lets part of like this you know his hatred go like you know something that's been what happened, and I think that's kind of what the point. You know, when you ask what this the story is about and what what the what the point of it is, I think this is the point. And I do actually really like the idea that the what the main Joker we have now, the Killing Joke Joker, shoots the Criminal Joker, and then says you know he's obsessed with the idea that he wasn't actually the biggest traumatic thing in Batman's life, so he wanted him to reconcile that. So that he is the most dramatic thing in Batman's life. There is something kind of wonderful about that. It's a little bit contrived, uh, again, with the Joker planning stuff, as it always does, because he's it always is, so yeah. intricate and whatnot. And
1: you said that was kind of the the point of the story, and I can kind of get where you're coming from there. I think you know, as much as we groaned when it, it was towards the end of last issue where Joe mm-hmm. Chill was introduced as a as a thing, uh, I feel like that that probably needed to be a if if that was the, kind of the point of this story and what we were doing with it. That probably should have been a bit more established throughout the book, rather than just kind of relatively into the you know, the, the last issue for, for like the you know the large bulk of, of what that conflict was. I don't, think, I don't think you need much. I think you need one scene, in issue, one of introducing the
0: concept of him being in the cell and like just sort of maybe showing him writing a letter and not really seeing what it is, just sort of tease it. Because oh, I mean, it's only three issues, so the end of issue two is not actually so that. F- much into it the grand uh, scheme oh, sure, of things. Oh, yeah,
1: but I mean, in, in terms of, okay, if you treat them as, like, you know, they're oversized, if you treat it break mm-hmm. it down to, like, the six-issue pacing that we're accustomed to, uh, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's actually, you know, really, you know, the back third of the story for the most part, and I feel like it could have done with a little bit of extra establishing if that's kind of what the story wanted to to be about and kind of give it actual weight within this story rather than just, well, it's Joe Chill.
0: I'm conflicted by that. I don't know if I agree with it. I think there's okay. I think there's certainly elements of these characters that are so big and so iconic and so just ingrained to who they are that you can introduce something kind of... Not out of nowhere, but late in the game, and it means something to us because of what they are. I'm not necessarily saying it works entirely here. I just don't blanket agree with that statement. Fair enough. So... Uh, so yeah, so there's so the whole thing, after this is all over, uh, there's a moment where Babs basically tells Jason to piss off, and I was kind of like, oh, oh, good Johns, good Johns, yes, yes, that's just, I, I like this. Uh, but then immediately it has this really weird out of character moment with her father, that I didn't get at all, uh, mm. where she's like, you know, this, you know, what I do with someone is, is my business, or none of your business, dad. And I couldn't tell if he even hears her say dad. B if he already knows that it's Barbara, or C, if this is like a like a shock moment where he
1: learns I no, I'm the same. This this moment confused me because we had this <laughs> debate last issue, or maybe it was even the first issue as to whether or not uh you know Jim knew. Yes. Uh there was a moment where she, you know, rode away on the bike and we weren't sure uh how it was supposed to play. And this one confused me again because Usually, if you uh, as a lettering thing, if you want to make it clear to us that oh he didn't hear that, you'd make the dad there smaller, so it's quieter, so we'd understand that. Okay, she's saying that almost under her breath. Um, the fact that there's no reaction shot of him afterwards tells me that okay, this can't be the reveal to him that he knows, you know, that, that he didn't know before, um, because it, it doesn't. Show us his reaction afterwards, which that would be a weird choice to not do, I think. Um, which means, okay, he knew all the time anyway, and she's just making a you know snarky comment, which has less weight to it than either of the other two well, options.
0: What's so weird is the dialogue right before it as well confuses me even more because he comes up and he's you know he asks if she's okay and she says I'm fine, Commissioner. Now if he does know who she is and that's like just common, like they just they have this relationship now where he knows it's you know hard calling him commissioner could come off as cold in and of itself which isn't necessarily a bad thing it kind of like gets a point across but then the way he says you know you have my support just as much as batman which i, I think leans more towards him not knowing <laughs> but, right. then, but then then he has this opinion on like who she should be involved with him but now he says like a father again and it just keeps going back and this is the weird thing i said how this is like it feels like it's in continuity at a certain point and obviously we've diverted away Jim didn't know she was Batgirl and continue at any point that I've known. You know, in recent years, so this feels like such a weird thing. I, I don't, right. I, I don't know if he knows or not. I just, and either way, I, it doesn't quite work.
1: <laughs> right, i I said, the the like, I could almost see it. Like, if you, if, if you, again, I don't, This is something I don't know if it's in the, the art of the lettering, perhaps that would need to indicate this is being said in a different inflection for the dad. Um. But more, uh, you, know, you know, almost like she's going, you know, what I do, you know, who I do you know, things with, or, you know, what I do with him isn't your business, dad. Almost like, you know, you're acting like a dad, uh, even though you're not. Oh, uh, sure. I could, I could kind of see that line. But again, the lettering should be doing something to indicate that. I'm kind of reaching as potential readings. And, and don't get me wrong, there, there are points in storytelling that you can be ambiguous, and that's fine. But I don't feel like this is supposed to be ambiguous. Uh, I feel like this is just us not
0: honestly, reading it as intended. The clear the way of doing this is just to have the dad be a narration box instead of a speech bubble, just to
1: separate it so it's in her head, that last word. Sure, or, or like I said, even if it's just, if you make the lettering smaller, so it's clearly quiet, so it's under her breath, honestly, that, that would work just as well. Honestly,
0: though, I, I, my bigger problem here is that it just feels like a character for her to be this cold with him for no, seemingly no reason. I, I don't get why she is speaking to him like that. It's kind of odd. You know, regardless if she... Re, if he knows that it's her, and she's speaking to him as his daughter, right, it feels out like of character for Babs to be that cold with him. If she's speaking to him as Batgirl, it feels weird as well. Yeah. Because Bar- Bar- Barbara doesn't come across like that, typically. Um, I, I don't know. The whole thing just kind of feels a bit off to me. I, it's, it's true, because I like that Barbara... And- I guess to an extent, Jason, get such a big focus in this story. I think my bigger problem with this arc or this story overall is maybe just the focus of how much time we spent about hunting down the Jokers doesn't really feel like it was what the the, the story should have been focusing on. Because when it gets to this point at the end, when Batman's in the in the, the truck with this this, you know, the last surviving Joker and He's talking about the others, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I was going to do this and that. You know, I considered Barbara, but she's, you know, too too sweet. There's too much heart. Jason's too much of a brat. Blah blah. blah. Um. So I picked Joe Chill, and sort of explains what his motivation is. You know, now it's me. Now I'm the greatest pain you've ever have. It's not him anymore. But then it we turn out, you know, after you know Joe Chill dies, we we find out the the reason why, partially why Batman, why Bruce has never revealed who he is and let the name out. Is because we get that no, the backstory that this Joker has is the killing joke, and that wife he had or his girlfriend that he had who was pregnant did actually survive and she's basically for lack of a better term in witness protection. And he doesn't want anyone to know who he was, because if they do, you know, someday the press will find her, he'll find her, even more so worryingly. Um mm-hmm. and it kinda of reveals that, you know, they're they're living somewhere in a house but you know son has no idea who his father is and because the ending isn't because i was thinking like bruce is going to go and speak to them but he actually just kind of drives by or looks in the window and just to sort of make sure they're okay it's like, it's oddly very similar uh to the season finale uh of season four of angel the spin-off to the hit television show of the vampire slayer uh where angel looks in on his son who's now living with a, a foster family and it's a very similar moment um I I have to admit, so I I don't hate I don't I don't love the Jason and uh, Barbara stuff. Of course, uh, I went on a run about that last time. I have to admit, I did kind of get a snarky, cynical laugh out of the idea that Jason is in love with her. He leaves her a love letter saying that he wants to try and make it work. He'll give it up being red hood if he can be hers, and the note just falls and gets swept away, and she's never going to see it. And I just
1: started laughing. And I'm like, oh, he's got anything he she hates. Him. What what I found <laughs> weird about this as well is is. Uh... The choice of the person sweeping it away, mm-hmm. you know, all in purple. The the name of the you know Fun yeah. Time Cleaners. I'm like, is that supposed to be like a hint that hey, you know, that, that that somehow there's a Joker behind this, you know, like you're covering this relationship. Like, what 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 a weird like almost Easter egg to kind of throw in here at the end. Like, it's too it's too much to be a coincidence. Like if it was just uh, yeah. purple maybe, but with the name as well. It's it, <sighs>
0: yeah, I don't know what to make of that weird like Easter egg element of it. Um, this is kind of this weird thing where Johns is essentially written in why it's never going to be mentioned again. You know, if this ever comes into continuity. Because, you know, he even says in the letter, if you never mention it, I'll never mention it and we'll pretend it never happened. I'm like, yes, good. None of it because we all went for pretend it never happened. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's like Johns
1: knew that people don't actually want this. So no. I'll, I'll give an easy out. Yeah, it's... I could have done without that. I really,
0: you know... If you told me this story's going to be about Batman forgiving Joe Chill because Joe Chill wants forgiveness. Joe Chill feels remorse. And I actually kind of like Joe Chill talking about how he hated the Waynes and just saw them as these rich assholes and was jealous of what they had. Like, I was okay with th- that line of thinking. It maybe wasn't the, the best written ever, but the idea that, okay, yeah, tie this into sort of like a, a political class thing. Mm-hmm. You know, tie it into a class sort of, not warfare, but you know, tie, tie it into that idea. Like, do some social commentary with it and have batman essentially in some small way kind of forgive him. I, I don't know. It, I I like those ideas. I like I like it playing with those elements. I just I don't know if the story initially felt like it it was focusing on all the right things. I feel like it had to be more of a personal story for Batman. Yeah. I I almost as much as I love Babs getting some focus here, I actually think Babs and Jason's inclusion almost distracted away from what cuz given that I do think the whole focus of this was supposed to be Batman at the end reaching some kind of peace with Joe Chill. I don't think we should have been spending time on the other two and what they went through with Jokers. Uh,
1: no, I don't either. Um, and uh, it feels a bit scatter And it's it's kind of weird that if that is the big point of your book, which sure I'm willing to accept if if that's the the line of thinking. That okay, you have what should be this big moment where Bruce goes and sees Joe Chill. You know what you know, and and kind of shows him that he's read the letter and that you know he you know he forgives him just before he dies, right? Mm-hmm. To then still have like the, this Jason and Barbara letter thing afterwards, like that feels like a weird epilogue to to this story. If, yeah, if that's the thing. well, the, the
0: weird thing about that is that it implies that it's setting something up to be picked up it somewhere later. And yeah. this this story doesn't feel like it was supposed to be setting up a sequel because it didn't. I mean, anything I in comics can have a sequel, but you know, Johns isn't exactly spending a lot of time writing comics right now, so I, I have a hard time unless like something some other Bat book wants to pick up a thread which again how i don't know because continuity is all over the place with this yeah but it's it's very odd i don't i don't understand um but i did like the same where bruce goes
1: to him and holds his hand there there is there is kind of a nice no. either I, I did as well as i you know i i i probably dislike this issue the least out of the three it has the le- the, the, the least amount of Things that aggravate me, uh, it, you know, and, th- and there are things that I do like. Um, you know, like th- this point with Joe Chill, I do like this idea, and I do like that scene. And I think actually that's a scene that should have had more time to play out. Um, I-, I like it how it is. Don't be wrong, but that pr- might that maybe should have been the final moment of the issue. Is, is that scene with uh, with Joe Chill? I can see. It. I
0: definitely need more of it, though. I think I think I like it how it plays out in silence. It's actually
1: sure
0: it's not it's not reminiscent but it feels kind of like a a more bittersweet happy version of the laughter at the end of killing joke where it just kind of like plays out in silence and then goes to like what was, was his tombstone essentially at the end of the, the page you know, it reminds me of going to the down at the rain on that final page or the final two pages of killing joke um yeah I, I, and I, given everything this is taking from killing joke i don't think that's an accident uh, you know, I feel like it's definitely taken a lot of stuff from that book a lot No, it, it
1: probably is. And I do like that page. I, I, I kind of wish that was just the last page.
0: I like the rule about Joker's family, uh, bizarre. Even though I I don't necessarily... It's such it's a weird thing. John is clearly playing with the idea of how we all like Joker's mystery identity. And he's playing with this idea of, like, you know, okay, we know... Like, Batman knows who he is. It does not matter. Like, it, it never did matter and there's a reason why his identity shouldn't be out there, and it's more sacred than even Batman's, for numerous reasons. Um, it has this interesting idea where, like, it it opens these doors where there could be a story someday, although I hope they never do it, uh, where Joker's son, like... You know becomes involved in some way and i don't want him to be like a new joker around like that but i'm saying that i could see them doing something where someone finds out and there's like there's a sequel story there which i don't want them to do this is the last time i ever want to see these two characters
1: just this this quiet moment of bruce looking in the window to make sure they're okay yeah uh, you know it's weird because like as much as i dislike the idea of joker having a set origin we've spoken about this numerous times over the mm-hmm. years uh if this is the set origin fine Whatever. Um, do you, I, want, I, do you, want, I think you know what? It doesn't bother me that much, because, like, you know, it, it, it's not important. Well, no, what oddly makes this kinda work, even though I prefer it
0: just to be a mystery. And they've still kind of kept that in that the original Joker, like, who knows who he is, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. Although, admittedly, it does beg the question, why did Batman ask the Mobius chair if he knew? But, this <laughs> that's is
1: sort of... That's a Yeah, for all and, and if he figured it out a week after he showed up, and yet he knows, and, and this is his family, but the, that was the criminal Joker was the first one, and this is the comedian that's that's the, the, you know that's got this family. It's a, it's a whole can of worms. That's a good point, yeah, because the criminal should
0: have been first, and therefore, if he was first, and he's the one he knows, then, but it's not, That's not the one he knows. The one he knows is the the one who's got the family. It's, it's this killing which joke means Joker.
1: For that to work. Either this one had to be first and our timeline is just wrong, which definitely is not what this issue is implying early on. Or Bruce has known that there are multiple jokers for a while and has worked out that that's who this one was before. And that seems far-fetched. Now, I wonder if it's
0: actually bringing in some uh, metaverse stuff here where, like, this Bruce and the Joke Joker, that is his Joker, and the criminal jokers from a previous, you know, before Crisis kind of thing
1: uh could be like we you know what, do... if it wasn't for that one page in this issue where they go through yeah you know the previous jokers and and they talk about um and they say the the criminal is like uh like the first joker we ever had uh you know he he was uh, fr- from our early days and, and stuff like that and I'm like it sounds like you're taking this seriously like it's continuity well, as much as this is not not metaverse is what i meant yeah. by that
0: to answer my own question, I would accept the idea that Batman asked that question as like a test, but his reaction, the surprise the shock, of shock, if I recall, yeah, the shock of it being three would suggest that he doesn't know there was three. So the one he knew, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if the one who showed up first is not the one he actually knows. If we found out a week after he showed up, yeah, unless, I mean unless like they both appeared like. Back to back, like that, like that. That Joker was there like a day later after the other one. <laughs> I made mean, sure and he didn't know there was two of them. He just he figured out one of them.
1: Yeah, it's a whole kind of worms that I I, I regret opening already. <laughs> right,
0: I I really like a lot of the ideas in this final issue, and I think a story about Bruce letting go. In fact, what I was going to say actually about the the, the solidifying at least what the current Joker's backstory is in this way. I think, bizarrely, because the Killian joke is now sold, so it's over 30 years old, you know, it's older than I am. It came out like two years before I was born. I think it's sold, so yeah. and so many of... Anyone who's into Batman has been reading Batman comics for any... You know, it's one. Of, it's typically one of the first
1: handful of books you read as a Batman fan And in trade. Even if, for whatever reason, you've never read it, you know the story. You know the... Yeah. At least you know all the, the, the
0: important beats, right? So, I think because of that, it's revered enough and it's old enough now that saying this really old, very highly regarded book is what we're going to be using as the de facto origin, at least for now, feels, it's a lot easier to swallow and it feels like, okay, at least you're calling back to some some like proper DC history. not
1: just making up a whole new origin and going, yeah. this is the origin. Like, I'm, I'm with you.
0: So it feels like a little bit less because, you know, when those first panels showed up where he was clearly, because like, you know, Alf was asking the questions, okay, who is he then? And we see this panel of, like, you know, uh, husband, failed comedian, like, you know, talking to his wife and yelling about dinner or whatever, these gigs. I was yeah. like, oh! They're straight up doing, this is straight up the killing joke backstory. I'm like, oh, they're actually referencing those those panels, those scenes. And I, I kind of did get a little,
1: maybe not excited, but I I had that feeling of recognition where I went, oh! It's, I think it's it's partially because for so many years, if if you didn't know an origin, that was always just okay. That it falls back to, that's the origin, unless you, th- uh, you know, unless you tell us otherwise. For a lot of people, I think. Mm. Um, so just kind of confirming it here, doesn't feel like a shock. It it doesn't feel like this big shock value thing of oh, it was this all along. I was like, yeah, we we kind of known it was this all along for thirty odd years. I mean, given Jason and Babs stuff, like I'm happy for this
0: just to be like kind of a continuity kind of what if, and we, or we can tie it into the metaverse and things changing, whatever. What's weird about it, though, is that I feel like a lot of this does kind of still apply into, like, modern DC. Because, you know, the idea of the killing Joke Joker being the Joker and being the one from Snyder's run, that does feel like it lines up with who Joker's been recently. It doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's this thing, same with Doomsday Clock, where there's some details that are obviously different. Like, Alfred's still been alive, but then there's all these other things that do feel like fit the feeling of where we are, more or less. Yeah. No, that's true. So, continuity, timey made nonsense
1: i I don't know it'll probably i can see it being treated the same way as killing joke in the sense that technically it's still not actually continuity um just things have been pulled so heavily from it and referenced over the years that it's kind of been dragged into it but not all of it is necessarily continuity just the bits that they want yeah jason and babs i can see
0: and hope also, uh, never gets brought up again. However, I can totally see someone picking up on this this ending reveal, like so, someone bringing up this family somewhere to be protected. Like,
1: I can totally see a writer putting that into it. Yeah, run. I can, I can see this, uh, Joe Chill elements kind of being worked in as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, not, not even like not, not redone, just kind of referenced uh, as a thing that that you know Bruce went through at some point. Yeah, I can see him yelling
0: with like a villain who's trying to argue about his pain, and sort of Batman actually sort of yelling, "No, I did." confront my like my demon i did forgive Sure. Him. Yeah, you know, yeah. that.
1: however you want to do it. i can see it kind of being referenced in that sort of way and acknowledge that the current continuity version of bruce has had some equivalent of this moment it's kind of how i feel about you know a lot of the stuff after rebirth when okay so a lot of the, the pre-flashpoint stuff did happen but on this weird timeline still and it's like oh it, it, you know the, the the core beats happened but maybe not exactly as we saw them Like uh, like uh death of superman's probably a good one where yeah a lot of that happened oh well uh, certain character was missing but okay <laughs> right right but yeah you know, it happened in vaguely how you remember but maybe not exactly how it was before i can kind of see them doing a similar thing of taking the joe chill from the Superman. yeah that kind of that moment of peace uh, you know and mm. reconciliation happened but not necessarily in the ex- mm. in this exact format um yeah, I'm okay with that. And it's this thing where Batman no matter what
0: because he saves him a couple of times, you know, he catches him when he's falling, he you know he stops the when the, yeah,
1: building the wall, gets smashed. Yeah. yeah.
0: At, like these moments it's kind of this re solidifying of as Batman as this hero like no matter what he was going to save him because he doesn't deserve to just die randomly but, like even
1: this. even if Joe Chill hadn't repented and spent years mm-hmm. kind of feeling bad about this. I'm sure he still would have saved him. And arguably that would have been an even stronger story beat. That despite everything that that Joe Chill caused him, and that he doesn't, you know, doesn't care they did that and repented that, Batman still felt obligated to save him. Honestly, I kind of like the the repent side of it though. I I do as well, which is why I'm not actually like, I I say, could have been a strong thing. I I think the reason why I like it is
0: because so many of Batman's villains are kind of never endingly evil, right? We have Joker. We have ones who can maybe come back from the, the dark side. You know, we have, like, Two-Face who can maybe become more like Harvey Dent and sort of cure over time, or we have other characters who have kind of become more anti-heroes or whatever, but a lot of these villains are proper full-on, like, tragic. They're never going to be, like, redeemed or anything like that. And I think there's something kind of sweet about the the thing that started all this. The the, the random gunman in the alleyway who is maybe... Uh, one of the things that I always love to bring up about Buffy, and I'm not just doing this for the sake of bringing it up, but... I feel like you are. No, but I always talk about how that always treated... It always treated real-world things with a, a sort of sense of respect. You know, they would have monsters and vampires and demons, but if someone get killed by a gun or an illness, it was treated as if it was... No, there's no coming back from that. And I think I kind of like the idea of the you know the the realistic just guy in an alley who shot his parents who was just a real crime before everything got crazy before batman escalated everything by becoming a bat and then all the villains started being all crazy wacky and whatever Mm -hmm. i think i kind of like the idea of this you know this poor downy's luck guy who turned to a life of crime who had done so for done done so for so many different reasons the idea that batman saving the city and trying to make Gotham a better place it isn't just about saving innocent people. It's about saving innocent people from becoming like Joe Chill. It's not just about saving them from the end of the gunpoint. It's also from saving them from ever having to hold a gun in the first place. So yeah, that's kind of a sweetness that. to that. And I think and- Joe Chill having this arc in this moment at the end, where he is genuinely sorry for what he did, it adds a bit of hope to the center of Gotham, yeah. that is typically a pretty dark place. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I-, I like all of that stuff as well. And and on top of that as well, I think you know you, you know the idea of you talk about being a bit more real. Mm. Um, You know, the idea that all of Batman's villains, they go to Arkham, right? Uh, Which is essentially, it's a a mental institution, right? At its face value. It's it's, it's for the people who are, you you know, criminally insane is the line, obviously. But, you know, they they have legitimate uh, mental problems that they they are not safe. They they should be treated and and healed. And, And obviously that's, in theory, the point of prison as well is rehabilitation is supposed to be part of that and obviously joe chill here uh never got the chance to go out and experience life on the outside again rehabilitated but if essentially it, you know the prison in this scenario did its job it made him into a better person uh you know it gave him that time to re- reflect you know time away you know uh, all that stuff to, to learn and be better and that's what prison is in theory supposed to do, obviously <laughs> uh, it, it often doesn't, but it's kind of as I'm going to say, it's treated as real it's it's an idyllic version of, of reality, but that's it's still they I say, it comes back to the, the hope and that's kind of what superheroes are in a nutshell, really so uh, yeah, I like it for that
0: yeah, I like a lot of ideas in this final issue, I, there's some execution problems, of course, I think some of the focus in this, over the story I'm okay with Joe Chill not being introduced until fairly late on. I, my bigger problem is more that there's so much of the angst between Barbara and Jason feels like it's relatively irrelevant. And I, I, I suppose the argument is is that well, it's supposed to be these two sides of the argument, and then ultimately Bruce is going to be the
1: one who has to
0: make this decision or
1: whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know, going back to the you know the being introduced late, and you know, I, I said near the start, I didn't really feel like there's much of a story here, and I, right. I and I mean that as the the the, the series as a whole. Yes, there's a lot of Joe Chill stuff of of story and meaning of, of that here at the end. But if I look at it as a, as an entire series, I, I could probably cut out most of those first two full issues. I could probably condense that down to about 10 pages and lead into this Joe Chill stuff and still tell this Joe Chill story just as effectively with no, just I, this issue.
0: You probably can't. I think as a series as a
1: whole, it's kind of underwhelming, I mean, although there's a lot of good art across all three issues. Uh, I mean, it, it's obviously, well, then we, have, we barely mentioned Fabric here, but... Well, no, we got, there was we, a point we gushed
0: so heavily in the first
1: issue and maybe right, second uh, issue the that... <laughs> there, there was a point during this issue as I was reading it that I forgot it was Fabric. I caught myself going, "Oh man, Gary Frank's looking great here," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh shit, no, it's not Gary Frank. It's, it's Fabric. And I think, I think part of that is uh, uh, Brad Anderson on the the colors as well is a consistent link between uh, Gary Frank's recent work on Doomsday Clock, for example. Um, that is, you know, helping melt that style in, in our minds a little bit more than maybe we're giving him credit for. Um, but it's, you know, Fabric's doing some wonderful, clean line work here. and uh, Yeah, it's just fantastic stuff.
0: All right, I think we'll read it then and
1: move on with the leaves. Uh, what are you uh, giving up? I'm going to give it a 5.5, because ultimately I still feel like it's kind of underwhelming and a bit of a mess, but it has some nice ideas and some really nice art. This is a hard one. There's a, I have a lot of confliction in this. There's, there's some weird
0: moments. There's definitely some execution problems. <sighs> I do like a lot of the ideas so well. E- even ideas that don't necessarily always, you know, don't don't align with typically what my favorite way of doing a Joker thing is. You know, typically I like the mystery completely. Yeah. And ultimately, I'm always going to go back to that being my favorite version. But I do think the way this handles it is kind of been, I, I I did genuinely kind of love the moment where Batman's like, I've known. I've known the whole time. It doesn't matter. I never did. Like I kind of like that, like, ballsy move. Um, You know, your parents were nobody, Ray. They're not important. It's not a big deal. The problem is, is that next time it's going to be like, Oh, you're Palpatine!
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not sure how that's relevant here. <laughs>
0: I just thought it in my head as I was
1: talking you're, about you're it. You're just jealous because everyone's loving the Mandalorian again and, and, and you just don't care. And you're like, ah, oh, screw Star Wars. That's what? that's what that was. They are? I don't, I don't, I don't see that about it. Lies. I think, lies. I think you're forgetting
0: that I have muted a lot of Star Wars terms on my Twitter. I don't see a lot of Star Wars related tweets. Did you mute Mandalorian yet? Because
1: you, you might want to. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember to now that you've brought it up I, I will say if you hashtag the mandalorian and you like it on twitter it pops up with a little baby yoda and that's pretty cool uh no no,
0: no, no. terrible absolutely disgusting
1: veil veil uh
0: i think i am going to I, i'm going higher than you for sure i will probably go with a 7.5 i think i'm going to call it great because it isn't there's, there's too many problems to to say it is but I do like a lot of the ideas, particularly in the back chunk of the story. And it's what's funny is that I, I saw some people, some of our, our dedicated audience members on stream, uh, without spoiling anything for me, were so- just saying how they weren't like super hot in the ending. And I actually think the ending's probably my favorite part of the whole whole series. Yeah, I saw a few of our, <laughs> our
1: listeners on Twitter as well. Um, not that they tagged me or anything, because I'm, yeah. uh, I'm I'm glad that most of our listeners are pretty respectful of the fact that we we. I think they they kind of clocked on to the fact that we we kind of read our books right before we record for the most part, um, or at least me and Pete do. Matt Matt gets ahead, um, so they don't tag us in things to to so, so they don't spoil it. But obviously sometimes I'll just see opinions of this way, right? and again, they they didn't spoil anything, but they were very kind of like yeah, they really didn't like the ending and stuff, and I was like oh god, I'm gonna, especially knowing how I'd felt on the previous two issues, I thought oh my god, I'm gonna hate this issue, and and I don't, I don't, no, it probably I probably hate this issue less than
0: the first one. I respect what the ideas of the ending are at the very least. And I think some of them are outright good. Some of them are just kind of I respect it at the baldiness of them. <laughs> um mm. uh that said though my favourite version of is still he's a mystery and there's always been one <laughs> so yeah mine too. You know uh that's what it is. Alright. Dark Knight's Death Metal Rise of the New God issue one James Taylor the fourth writing with Jesus Marino on the art uh on the main story at least we'll get to the backup when we get there. But Uh, This is, this was one of these things where I'd forgot, I mean, I I know we mentioned it last week, but this one, for some reason, didn't stick in my mind as existing, so
1: when I looked at the books this week, I was like, oh yeah, there's a death metal one shot, what is this? I think, I I, I knew it existed from, again, from last week, it stuck in my mind enough that I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Well, I don't think I I ever registered what it actually was, and I'm sure we talked about it when it was solicited and and went through it, and I I read it at some point, but it never stuck with me as to what the... No,
0: that, this is so essentially we have the the, the darkest knight fighting with Perpetua. Uh literally, I mean it's not until later in the issue you see this visual, but I, I laughed out loud because later on you see them literally hitting each other in the face with planets, which I thought was delightfully ridiculous. But uh the story actually follows this character, uh the the chronicler. Yes, who's from uh, the Omniverse. The Omniverse, yes. And this gets very meta, like, yeah, like he's not from our world, that's not what it's saying, but he kind of represents us <laughs> in a lot of ways. He represents the, the audience and the, the love of the DC Universe uh, in many ways. Well, he doesn't represent that. he, but the ideas of like, us loving the DC Universe are represented through him discovering that he kind of cares about it. Um, yes, as, the as idea on. that there's so much potential in this world of heroes. Yeah, because he ends up reviving Metron later on in the issue as well, and he goes to Psycho Pirate, uh to basically extract knowledge. He's trying; he's essentially trying to like, just create a record of everything that happened here. Eventually, he goes to Brainiac's son and gets a lot of Brainiac's old stories as well. But when he when he scans Psychopirate, he sees you know multiple past versions. He sees you know Golden Age Superman. He sees uh, Tynan's own Detective Comics run, which I that, thought was that funny. That felt
1: like a bit of a cheeky yeah. uh, placement because you got you know a JSA, you've got a. Uh... What I think is the you know, the the eighties Justice League. I would have said Silver Age, but yeah, maybe. I mean, sure, maybe. Go uh, sure, either way.
0: Yeah, he's a, yeah, but he's a, you know it's just some, some from the modern era. Might as well pick his own thing.
1: Um, there is, there's a weird. You know, you got Starman and Rayner at the front, like randomly. Because that
0: crab mask is glorious. It deserves to be there. Uh, but you know, he 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 sees all this past. Like, oh, this is weird. The stories are are you know very vivid and they're bright and beautiful. And there's all these ca- characters and what's going on and the story is essentially about him ultimately realizing that he he wants to care about it and he wants to try and actually make a difference and not let those stories die and the debate ultimately with metron because he could obviously metron has been dead for a while and he resurrects him on the moon and it becomes this thing where he says well things in this world exist because someone believes they do and because someone you know believes in them so they exist and it's kind of this never-ending cycle because of that so no matter how many times the reality gets shattered, no matter how many times this multiverse, you know, blo- you know the DC multiverse, he did not say that obviously, but that's what we we're calling it. He says, you know, because someone believes in it, it somehow survives. And everything that did happen, even though it keeps getting erased. And it, that felt like the most meta thing ever to me is the idea that, you no, know, the reason why so many things from post-crisis or pre-crisis keep coming back is because we care about it. Because we're saying, no, diddy you bring these things back because we were upset you took them away and it's not Didio anymore but he was the one we were yelling at for a long time.
1: Pretty much <laughs> and, and, and you know the, the chronicler essentially metron's like well now you care, you believe and so you know it doesn't matter what happens in this version of this multiverse anymore, you'll take it to the omniverse and you know your belief will power a new version of our multiverse at some point. It's funny because I started this, for the first couple
0: of pages okay there's some interesting big you know, gargantuan-sized art of, like, the the super beings, like, fighting it each other. looks gorgeous. Right? And then, but I was sort of thinking, I wonder if this one's going to be, be, the you know, outside of Robin King, which did end up having some interesting ideas. But I was like, oh, is this going to be, like, the first, like, one where I really feel like it's just kind of tacked on and it isn't needed? And it's debatable how much of it is needed, although it does say to be continued at the end, so there might be some stuff that's relevant. But- yeah. I have to say, is it, by the time I finished it, even if it isn't essential to understanding things going forward, although the fact that it says to be continued implies that it might, um,
1: I kind of loved it. <laughs> is it. It was uh, very unique uh, yeah. as to what these one-shots have been. As an examination
0: of like what the DC universe and its like cast of characters means to us, um, and what what's so important about them existing in some fashion, I kind of like the meta nature of the story, and I don't know. It's like, yeah, that two-page spread with them fighting with the planets
1: and... I was going to say, which one? There's a couple. It's, it's later. It's after Metron's been brought back. It's when they're looking yeah. up at them. Yeah, because there's, there's one early on where they're throwing, like, punches. You know, it's, it's in a big double page near yeah. the start. Well, actually, I don't think it is a double page. I think it's a single page on the, uh, on the credits page. And it looks like they're throwing, like, galaxies of stars at each other is almost what it looks like. Uh, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So yeah it's just it's kind of uh it ends with you know the chronicler looking at the book and he's reading his Metro and sort of talking about all all the various gods and how you know at first it was New Genesis and apocalypse and then it you know it went from there to everything else and the beliefs and it just kinda of ends with like the chronicler the narration in third person as it has been the whole issue says he believes in this universe, he believes in these characters. And I thought even that wording is very interesting, these characters. like Mm. You can use that in the context of just talking about people that exist in the world, but typically you don't. I think the choice to say characters makes it sound more like talking about, like like we would talk about a comic book character, these characters. Yeah, because you can use characters to
1: describe someone just being a bit larger than life. Yeah.
0: But you know, it just ends with this saying and in that belief, they become eternal. And it's just like, yeah, these characters are eternal because of us, because of the world, and because we care about them and believe in them.
1: I think it's impressive as well because there's a point earlier in the issue where Psycho Pirate tries to affect him, and he, he says he, he does. He he is incapable of feeling. Yeah. I think it's sadness that he tries there, incapable of feeling sadness for this world or whatever. Um, but then you know, on this final page, you know, you know, it mentions you know new emotions swell in his chest and. That's how powerful this this multiverse is. That this thing, this being that is supposedly incapable of uh, feeling these things, still does by the end.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of uh, a nice little beautiful thing. It's, and this is one of these stories where you you couldn't hand it to a new reader because it's such a weird, uh, you know concept, like, they'd be so confused, and they wouldn't, you know, if, they didn't, if they didn't know who Metron was, and why he was, like, dead in the moon, and, and just things like that, it would To don't... be
1: honest, I'd forgotten about that, and there was a point where I think I confused it with, um, the deceased, recently, uh, with, with oh, Metron in no. that, and no, I was
0: like... The only thought I had is that I thought for, before I turned the page, I was like, is he about a Resurrect Doctor of Manhattan? Because the way he talked about, like, a, like the omnipotent, like, presence who who witnessed
1: everything i thought is he talking about manhattan and then i was like oh metron makes sense because he also witnesses no, I, everything <laughs> i get it and but i get why you thought manhattan it's it's you know it's the the blue light he says you know wake up little god uh, yes, yeah know.
0: and the moon it, you know there's always been a thing but, you know well it's mars maybe it was or more so. mars but yeah i mean yeah, was enough yeah, yeah, I don't know. There, there, was, there was reasons to think for a
1: split second. Obviously, when it, when it was metron, I wasn't disappointed because it, it still tracked, it made sense. It wasn't. Yeah, like, it never crossed my mind as I was reading it, but I completely understand why someone might jump to that for, like, a couple of panels. Yeah. Uh, the backup
0: story is a Green light. And it's kind of weird as a backup, again, this it, it, is becoming a bit of a trend with these, is that, uh, there's there's just these little mini stories. It's almost like they just want these little stories about the different pockets of the DCU right now and what's going on in the world. Uh, and it's the Green Lantern story. It's this John with the rest of the core. And I think what was notable about me to this, and just for the record, this is a Brian Hill writing with Nick Varela on the art, is that you have John and Jessica having a conversation and like her trying to sort of like essentially see if he's okay after what he went through in Multiverses End. Is it, we get a page with like all six Earth like Human Lanterns and I was like. Have we really had this? Because um, I feel like for the longest time, the four the four Corman was a thing, right? And they have been for a long last time. But Simon and Jess were always kind of off separate in the Rebirth era. And yep. I don't know if I've actually seen all six of them like in a team like talking about what to do, like I have in this, this issue. I was like, oh, I don't think I've seen Simon and Jess with the other four and basically have them bouncing off of John and Guy in this Yeah, play. there
1: might have been like a lineup shot at some point or yeah. another, but nothing with... Uh any surreal conversational dialogue that like we have here.
0: Yeah, so they're taking the ship, they've got all the, the various multiverse, like, hero survivors on the ship. Uh, the, the story of this little short is just basically that they're going to share all six of their willpower into one focused thing to penetrate the the universe and get back to what remains of Earth. And they, they do so. Uh, it's, you know, so. It's nice enough. But when they get back, there's a giant, you know, 500-foot uh, darkest night waiting for them. And... John seems to imply that he's going to give all of these multiverse heroes Green Lantern rings with the ending.
1: I don't know if that's what you got from this. No, it definitely was, because he held out the yeah. ring to them. Um, and, and he says, you know, we'll give you the same power, you know, our power, the light of the Green Lanterns. Yeah. And then holds out the rings. It's clearly the, the implication. I, I cannot wait to see Captain Carrot, Green Lantern
0: uniform, or even a, a baseball batwoman there. <laughs> oh, the bombshell one, yeah. The bombshell, yeah. I want to wait to see uh, Uncle Sam with his Green Lantern ring on. Tetragon. Uh, you That's
1: yeah, no, that, that should be exciting. I think, um, it's obviously a week. I mean, I, I specifically had a lot of problems with the, the placement of the backup story in the Robin King one. Uh huh. And it's becoming even clearer to me now that, okay, we had two of these already. Uh, they could have cut the, you know, because this one's only 10 pages. I think the one in Robin King was only 10 pages, cut both of those out and make just a normal, regular sized one shot. As a separate as a third one shot to go alongside these two and just lower the price of these two and sell the third one entirely
0: i think that is fairly reasonable the only question and this is something i brought up with the robin king as well is just timeline wise i mean but the idea here is that you're getting these little snippets that fit into wherever we are in the timeline uh, around these different corners now admittedly if we don't advance in the main story before we get a third one of these, then arguably, yeah, okay, you could have had like a, a little triple of In, these short
1: stories. Honestly, I mean, I don't know when the next one's due. Maybe it's due next week. I don't know. If it's not, you could have put it next week. Even if it is due next week, you could have had this, a, a third issue come out, you know, like two today, for example, or two last week, whenever it was. Like, it didn't have to be, okay, only one of these a week. They could have thrown out a second one on on a week and they probably could have gotten away with that because they haven't been overdoing it in the event as a whole. Oh, no, they could have. That, that's not really what
0: I'm saying, though, about, like... Like, I, I mean, wanting to fit in the timeline of the
1: story rather than, like, right, but the, the shipping schedule. Uh, this is still in the shipping schedule and in the timeline of the story, because these okay, two well, stories... Well, like, yeah, but what's the third story, then? If you're putting three together... You... I'm saying there doesn't need to be a third story. Can two, two. These two stories are a 20-page, just standalone, regular-sized one-shot. Oh, okay, God, what would you call it? They what, could call it what anything is it? they bloody what is it? want. The, 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 I mean, admittedly,
0: the, they don't really fit with the main story in this all that well. But at least because that is longer and is a full story, it feels more like no, that's what you bought the book for. And then there's a little backup with this extra thing. If you just put this and the the one about the the Gotham characters from the last one into like just a little, you know, twenty something page book.
1: It's just those two short stories it'd be such a weird unsatisfying thing on its own uh, okay i mean they could have commissioned a third story to go with that if you really want three uh i don't you know, know i just i'm not so sure it works in the
0: sense that i don't know if these two alone feel like it justifies a book
1: maybe maybe that's it. maybe maybe they just needed to commission a third one uh, like just just a 10 page story not you know not the other bits to go with it but you know commission a third extra story to, and, and just have a, a third, you know, honestly,
0: shot. this, this one boiled me less than the last one because they'd already done it once. Cause now it feels like a a format. Now it feels like you get your main one shot and then there's a backup. that's just a little pocket I, somewhere else that's going on.
1: I, I think for me, it compounded into being more annoying because I'm like, this is so clear that they could have taken them and put them elsewhere that it bothered me more. No, nah, actually, because to me, now this, this feels
0: like, oh, no, you've established this format now, so this is fine. Now, now I'm kind of expecting whatever the next one shot is to have
1: like, a little 10-page thing at the end. I think that's my problem as well, is part of like, okay, um, let's say the next one shot is something I'm not interested in, but, like, but what if the backup is? Now, now I've got to go, well, now, now, I've got to, you know, now there's something that, that I, I might be interested in, in there as well. that's comic books. Deal with it. I, that's no, I, should, I, I don't have to deal with it. I can expect better when, when there is a better solution right there. And don't buy it. What it your wallet and don't buy it. Well, that's what I will do, probably, if it's one that I'm not interested in. But the point is still that they could have quite easily taken these out and put an into another book that was just as marketed as these things and had the, you know, the main stories just be slightly cheaper for their issues. No, my argument last time was that you would take that one out and put it in
0: the next one that's got, like, the, the, the big anthology where there's, like, 10 stories, right? Where we had those one of those big, thicker books. Um, now that there's been two like this, and we still have those big anthologies coming later, clearly they weren't going to beef it up to some ridiculous size, whatever next... And again, the argument, and I added on to that, is that, well, these clearly take place at this part of the story, sure, so sure. they want these to happen now. Um, I don't think, if you had a third one of these even, that it would feel like a satisfying read. I I I think if you just had... if Assuming the quality of a third potential short story of this size, with this one and the last one... I don't think that issue as a standalone purchase would feel satisfying. Whereas this, because you have the main story, which is almost 30 pages and does feel really good and really well thought out, like a good story with a beginning, middle and end, it's making a really interesting point. Then this is a bonus at the end feels way more
1: palatable. I think than. what you're still saying, again, it's coming down for me for choice in purchasing and pricing where they could have, ta- you know, you know, these, Books are being bumped up at an extra dollar for having these extra ten pages of fluff at the end, uh, and, and that that bothers <laughs> me that I'm being kind of you know forced into that. Whereas, Wait, I mean, so, on. If, so, if, so you called this fluff? Did you not like this 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 backup? I don't actually dislike it. Uh, it's fine. Um, hmm. It's perfect. It is perfectly fine. Honestly, I don't actually have any real problem with it. But I think fluff is a is a fair appropriate term to use in context of what this issue is. Is yeah, is the the new God, the big 30-page story. And then there's some fluff at the end that, oh, you know, just, just so we can justify being an extra dollar. Which, that, that bothers me. Whereas I'm like, this didn't need to be an extra dollar. This could have been taken out with the other one, put into another thing, you can charge three ninety-nine dollars for that, 2 two ninety-nine for that, whatever it is. And I can have the choice to buy that as well if I want to.
0: Yeah, wow, wow, wow.
1: <laughs> car, car away I'm, I'm sorry for wanting better. <laughs>
0: I don't I'd be, I don't. I don't necessarily agree, though, that is better. I think I disagree with that. I, to, to me, now that they've established a the format, I actually kind of like the idea of having these shorter backups that kind of just give you another pocket of what's something else in the universe in the middle of the story. Now, admittedly, I wasn't so keen in the last one because I didn't think the story at the end really offered much. This is kind of interesting because this is clearly teasing that we may get a reveal at some point in the main story where all these characters are going to show up in Green Lantern uniforms, wait, 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 yeah, and we'll that's going to new... be... Cool as shit. Army. Yeah, that it's, gonna, be, it's gonna be cool it's gonna be cool as shit and i think this teasing that is actually kind of exciting on its own even though there's not much of a story here per se other than just that tease um mm-hmm. yeah so I, I have no problem with it there's no point in debating it any further i'm you know but I, I i have no problem with the pricing structure and having backups on otherwise the main focus of these books uh so that is the one shot rate it for the love of oh fuck let me finish this and move on <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, the, the main story pro would have been a 9. The, the, the backup's just it's fine, so I'm kind of just pulling it down a bit. I'll go 8.5. I'll go 8.5. So, Wonder Woman,
0: issue 765, Marika Tamaki, rating with Steve Pugh on the art, and... The last issue was kind of a little bit more standalone. It was still obviously set in the, the context of like them tracking down the tech from Maxwell Lord. This issue felt like, okay, we had a little standalone adventure to- giving us a taste of what Wonder Woman and Max working together was like. This is then as getting, taking that and going back more deeper into what the ongoing story is of them actually trying to find this tech and putting a stop to it. Uh, so, and Superman even tries to like suggest that it helps because Max is untrustworthy and he's not wrong. <laughs> but mm-hmm. they end up. Fair assessment. Yeah, so they end up uh, going to uh, Zizandia, uh yep. where this is where all the you know the black market criminals all deal. Is this this is this the same place? And remember the Williamson Flash Run, where all the villains were going during this the, the force parts.
1: So you very... could tell. You could tell me that it is, and I would believe you. I don't I remember the name. Say, yeah, that's what I was gonna say is the name rings absolutely zero bells. Yeah. So. <laughs> In my head, can it probably
0: is. Even they, the may be different though. So forewarning. Uh, this is where we're missing. Matt. Matt would know. Yeah, Matt would know. Uh go tell Matt on Twitter. that will be back. We're we're dying without him here. Uh, but I did. Li- I like some of the, these little details where they walk into this casino with all these people. And Max, like, oh by the way, I use my powers. They when they look at you, they just see like a boring like brunette. <laughs> like, they don't see Wonder Woman. And she's like, oh, uh, thanks. I guess. Um, <laughs> um, and they move on. Uh, a fight breaks out. Uh, I think the banter between Wonder Woman and Max uh, continues to be fairly enjoyable. In fact, you've got to hate me. I'm going to make another Buffy reference here because there's a moment where Wonder Woman uh, is fighting. As this fight breaks out, and she tries to sort of step in and break it up. And she shouts over to Max, hey, you know, we need to get to that auction. How about, you know, some help? And there's a panel of him where he just has two thumbs up saying, looking good. And I laughed out loud because it's basically like I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it's sure for sure. There's a moment in Buffy season four where Spike does this to Buffy, where he gives her the thumbs up like this, um, and it just reminded me of it so much. Like it was just, I get mean, not that I necessarily see Maxwell Lodge as a Spike s character, but there's definitely there's some. I feel like they could kind of want him to be. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they do want him to be now. Now he's kind of becoming something of an ally. That's
1: uneasy. Uh, I could see that being being the case. Yeah. Uh, I just checked out that it was Zandia in, in was the flash oh, which, which shows you how much that name stuck with us. To his credit, though, we did get that it probably was the same place. Oh, we did. We did, yeah. So, yeah. The name aside,
0: I actually think it's impressive that that stuck. Um, so, nice bit of synergy there, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone tries to kill a Maxwell Lord. There's a, a head out <laughs> on him. Um, but one room saves his ass. And they basically have to deal with the fact that Count Vertigo is behind. He's he's purchased some of Maxi's tech and you're know, like, what is he needed for this tech? It's gonna boost his powers. Uh Vertigo and this is something that came up at some point. He's kind of he's, he's got
1: like a bit of a Doctor Doom thing going. Uh yeah, I think we saw this somewhere recently. We did, well, yeah. In and the I, last few years is what I mean by recently. Because I, I remember thinking it was weird when I saw it then.
0: But where's whereas this time I went, you know, I think we saw this already at some point. Flash, or maybe somewhere else, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Arrow, maybe Green Arrow, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so he's using his powers, and uh, Wonder Woman and Max are flying towards an, an invisible jet. Uh, wonderful visual, this by the way. I, I love the visual of them sitting there, and everything's just kind of uh, you know, transparent. Mm. Uh, it's a nice look, but they crash land, something's in in the sky. Uh, Vertigo, presumably, uses these powers, and the cliffhanger to the, the issue is that Wonder Woman is now essentially a blamed although the last panel kind of implies she can still kind of see a shape you know it looks he's like glowing blue yeah so I, I don't know if that's like what she can see or if it's just like a visual representation for us i'm sure we'll maybe get a more of a context player, yeah, yeah in the next issue uh it's a decent uh cliffhanger though i i think um i appreciate it back i felt like it was more focused on the the story again i i liked if, you know, just to feel a bit more... Because I, I love the last issue being this kind of, like, standalone, like, Miami Vice kind of... Yeah, that was thing. a lot of fun. Uh, this... But it felt quite naturally sort of slipped back into, like, okay, we're focused on the main story, but we're keeping, obviously, their their, their partnership yeah. uh, going. So... And I thought the banner was really good. Uh, we have a different artist again. Um,
1: no, we had to see Pew last time, I'm pretty sure. Did we?
0: Okay, yeah, I, I just forgot. I'm, I'm like, 80% sure. I, clearly I just forgot Pew was the artist last time. I... I the last I remembered was uh, I've forgotten. I I didn't recognize the name. of The one that I remembered.
1: it was. Oh god. Um... One before that, I, I, after Yannin, before Pierre. Yeah, we we had one for. They did three or four issues, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, but regardless, I um, I
0: think this Barberry. is barbary oh, barbary there you go. Um. I think, this I, I think the banter, it's, it's moments like him giving her the thumbs up and not helping her when she's in the fight. It's, it's those little moments that really give it a lot of character. And Tamaki's dialogue and the way it bounces between them and it flows so well. Uh, I think the art from Pugh here is is pretty solid. Um, maybe not always perfect. Uh, something I've been saying since we would be lost Shannon is that the colourist, even if it's been, not even been the same colourist, but the colouring is definitely going to a lot of lengths to make it feel like there's some consistency to the look overall.
1: Yeah, I think this uh the the colors on this have been shining when they're in the lights, you know, like the the neon lights, you know, we had a lot of it like mm-hmm. kind of in Miami, that glow uh here at the start when they're entering the you know the the, the zandia uh you know, the, the marketplace kind of outside bit of it. Uh inside the casino light and that stuff looks really good. I think when they're in like just regular, you know, plain rooms or darker rooms, it doesn't pop as much and it looks a little bit flat.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I like this more than Barbary's art, actually.
1: Uh, overall, um, uh, yeah, I might do as well. I did have one little flow problem in terms of the way I read, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about. I think it was last week in terms of you know the way we kind of read comics a little bit differently. Like you can always read the dialogue on a panel and then look around it for context, whereas I tend to uh, go like read through in a flow. Like I'll look at the art into the panel, like, into the dialogue, and back out depending on where it leads my eye. Uh, and there was a point where it's where Max Lord's getting led uh, by some woman into it, like into the back room. And she shows up and he says something. And then, you know, you follow the, following the dialogue, it goes to, oh, well, follow you. You know, it seems like she'd be doing something else or whatever. And then as I look down and get to the bottom of that, is where she's kind of, you know, gesturing to follow. Um, so it just felt like a weird pacing thing for me in the flow that it was. And it was the way the, the panels were overlaid and kind of intercut with each other that kind of covered it up, which hid, hid my eyeline from it. Whereas um, if the panel had been raised instead of hidden and the lettering boxes were on the right-hand side of his face instead of the left, my eyes would have seen her gesturing first. And I feel like that would have just uh, improved the flow a little bit for me. Uh, it was not, not, you know, not the end of the world, but I did stop and think about it as it happened for me.
0: Yeah, I got the impression here that it was more than just a gesture as well. Like, he was actually hearing her. Do you think? Yeah, it was just the way he said follow you. It made it sound, it made it sound like there was like parts of the...
1: like. See, I, this is why I feel like I should have seen the 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 art first rather than the dialogue. Because if you go from that top left panel on that, she's like, you know, kind of talking on a little bit and then if you look straight down, instead of reading his dialogue, she's clearly, like, gesturing with her finger, like, "here, come this way. Uh, and so that kind of worked for me uh, without any other context of, in terms of hearing anything. Uh, I didn't think that needed to be any more. I just needed to see that first for me. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: I guess the impression there was more to this and that he was following her more, more just, not just because of a gesture, he'd heard more from her uh, kind of thing. Um
1: Maybe. I I didn't but, get I mean, that
0: impression, personally. Uh, Because of his powers, I mean, you know, Ronald... And, no, I I got yeah. that,
1: you know. But I, I didn't get that impression when I was reading it. Uh,
0: That's what I got from it. The, 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 the sort of... The, the pause between his question and then asking another question, it made me... It, to me, it, it sounded like she responded in her head. um, And then... You know, it played on. I never had a problem with that page, though. I was fine with it. Uh, I like there there's a sort of running gag here where Max... Like, there's one woman points out, was it with you in childhoods? Because he's making, like, some guards who have been sent to look af- like, after him, like, l- relive their traumatic childhood incidents. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, like, let them go from their childhood. He's like, done. But later on, he mentions childhoods again, like, you know, the people who are here. It's like, what is it with you and childhoods <laughs> and, like, traumatic childhoods? Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's those running things. It's those, those little things that make the characters feel alive and pop. And uh, Tamaki has a really good job of making characters really enjoyable. And I, I think it's... It's worth mentioning here that it's not just Wonder Woman, I think Max has been enjoyable to read in these last couple of issues, and that sort of odd couple relationship is what the driving force is right now, for me, and, you know, it's because, it's, you know, from what I've read of Tamaki's other stuff, you know, between her Supergirl mini and, of course, X-23, definitely there's maybe a bit more X-23 in this than I would say her Supergirl, but it's very different because it's not two sisters, it's not people who care about each other, it's this, you know, more uneasy thing between two it's characters.
1: antagonistic.
0: Yeah. But it's leading to a lot of fun banter. It's leading to a lot of these things, and um, yeah, I, I I dug this stuff. Uh, yeah, I think this run is is has been proving to be really enjoyable so far. It's maybe not feeling like it's like it's a must read monumental run yet, but it may get there. But I think so far it's been proving to be a very enjoyable. That I always look forward to. It. I never find myself putting it off because it, I'm like, oh, this one's a bit of a shorty read. It's always super. Smooth, and I'm always just enjoying kind of the flow of uh,
1: that I'm in a little bit of a different place. In that, for me, it's been a bit more of an inconsistent run. Like, so you know, some issues I'm like, oh, this is you know, easily an eight, others I'm like, I mean, it's a six. Uh, and and again, that's not like the worst range ever, it's but it's inconsistent in, in terms of my fear of going, oh, it's all right. To oh, no, this is a you know, this is really good. Um, and then that kind of range, uh. It makes it hard for me to get excited about an issue. Um, I, I never fear reading an issue, I should say that. I never I never go, oh, I'm never putting it off or I don't want to read that. But I'm not excited to read it either. I'm just like, okay, sure, yeah, it's Wonder Woman. Uh, I'll hope for the best, but expect on the lower end of my scale. Uh, in, again, in this 8-6 to six sort of range. Um, but it makes it a little bit muted for me. I wonder, given when she got the job,
0: I wonder, like... Like, did plans have to change suddenly because of all the 5G stuff getting thrown out? Like, what was there another kind of rough plan that kind of had to, like, get
1: redirected a little bit? I don't know. Quite uh, possibly. And then it, it feels like, I mean, may, maybe I'm projecting and maybe this was her bringing it to the table, but it feels like there was an editorial request to have uh, Maxwell Lord in, given given that this was supposed to be kind of around the movie. I mean, I think that's... And don't so- me wrong, that's been some of the strongest stuff. I think she's done a great job of doing that and it's part of Work for Higher Comics, right? Yeah, but I mean, like,
0: I I have no problem with that. If, if if like when she gets the job, they say, "Hey, do you want to write Wonder Woman?" The only the only rule is that you have to include Maxwell Lord for your first couple of arcs. If if she gets told that when she's been asked if she wants the job, then conceptually she never has something she's mm-hmm. she's forcing it into. She's just saying, "Okay, that's my that's the job I've been given is to write a Wonder Woman story that at least starts with some Maxwell Lord stuff." Then fine. Yeah. The problem is, is when a creator has a run planned out and then halfway through it is told, "No, stop what you're doing and put in this thing."
1: No, I agree. Um, I think the the reality is that is that the nature of the beast with work for higher comics is if if the editors ask you to do something for whatever reason, yeah, it's synergy in this case, then it's your job to find a way to work that in as naturally as you can, right? And stop sometimes it's stop some, some typing, right.
0: To it stop taping and put felicity smoke in your comic, or you're fired. Green Arrow writer, you hear me? You're fired.
1: All right, what are you writing, Wonder Woman? Uh, this one's a 6.5 for me. Uh, it's okay. Um, a little bit... You know, the, the art's fine. Uh, n- nothing showy. Um, But it's solid enough. Ah, fun.
0: Uh, It's not an amazing book, by any means, but I, I think uh, the art's nice to look at. The dialogue's solid. I will happily give it a solid 7. So, there you go. That's one of them. Where are we? The Flash! 764. Kevin Schnick writing with Will Conrad on art. Um... So this is part two of a story. I, I really thought the last one was mostly standalone,
1: but then it said, yeah, you know... Yeah, and the artist change does not help with that feeling because it was... Clayton Henry, I think, on the last issue? Because I remember the foreheads. I'd forgotten what the art was in the last one, to be honest. Um,
0: the... the I, I was just surprised when I, I got to the, the title page and it said, whatever the arc was, part two, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> part two? Yeah. <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Um... This one was way more of a mixed bag. I mean, the last one was a mixed bag, but I had a lot of positive things, even though they they kind of kept ruining it in a weird way. Uh, yeah. This one, I I felt more towards the mixed side of things, where I like I didn't dislike uh, chunks of it. You know, I, I, Alchemy breaking out and Barry running off and and whatever. Um, some of the. The dialogue with Iris is a little bit weird. Like she's hinting she wants to get married. She's like, "Oh, you know, I wish I had a ring that I cared so much about. That. I would never want to take off." Uh,
1: yeah, which there's, ca- there's a lot of what? awkward dialogue from uh, from both of them. Um, there's a point towards the end, I think it's right at the end, final encounter, uh, where Barry's kind of like going, "Oh no, you've done this thing to me." Uh, you know, it's kind of like that old school style of of, kind of like storytelling that we haven't seen in like thirty years. Hmm. Yeah, it felt a bit weird. Yeah, I I mean I like to fight with Alchemy in the first half well
0: enough. Uh Barry loses his mass, so he has to kind of uh vibrate his face. And I, I, I like the art in that sense. I like the, the you know the way they, they do that. Where his face yeah, is kind of blurred. Uh I enjoyed that. Um But then it gets into a lot of weird exposition though, where he's he's thinking about the philosopher's stone that Alchemy has, and it all basically boils down to oh, he's going to try and steal uh, what would you call it, the response meter. From the exhibit in the museum about the metal men,
1: that's. I felt like there was a really <laughs> weird link here because we have this quite stylized. Because it's like, oh, it's. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure the uh, the uh, the philosopher's stone is actually tied to the Illuminati. I'm like, okay, and then you have this stylized page kind of set within the uh, the Illuminati symbol uh, as the layout, which I think is, is quite nice conceptually. And it's um the sorcerer uh, Simon Magus. And then he's like, "Will Magnus? Oh, of course. They're so close that that must be a link." I'm like, like what? That feels like a bit of a stretch.
0: Yeah, I, they had the whole philosopher's stone and the the, the Illuminati stuff. I was kind of just zoning out during that page. I don't, and, uh, I, I don't know how yeah. much of it I really took in. I just I got to the end. And he's like, "Oh, we have to go to this museum." is a bit because he's going to try and still respond to me. I was like, "Okay, sure, <laughs> right? That's all I need to know. Right? just go." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I just, all the exposition just wasn't doing much for me. Uh, but he goes to the museum. Alchemy's there. Uh, Barry has to run around to you know stop all the glass. He, he kind of comments how Alchemy says that he's not a chemist, but then he uses chemistry to you know make sure the glass doesn't hurt anyone by. It, yeah.
1: essentially. and it's after he does this bit where where Alckmin kind of blasts him as well uh, that it, I have the, the really awkward dialogue where this isn't narration, this is out loud dialogue. I've worked, I've kept him from altering my composition. No time for a pat on the back. I need to stick this guy behind bars. I'm like, wait, why is this not narration? Um,
0: but then the ending of the issue is that Barry realizes that his speed has gone. You know, his connection to the Speed Force has been severed. And Alchemy, you know, flies off with his stone and his meter, and that's kind of it. Uh, I can't really say I liked this issue much. I uh, thought the art was okay. Like, I, I liked moments in the art. I mentioned the uh, the phasing of the face to hide his identity early on. I think, generally mm-hmm. speaking, the inks are quite good. Um, I, I I, liked it more than the art from the last issue, for sure. But, unfortunately, I think the actual story I liked much less <laughs> than last issue. Um, and the fact that this is to be continued still, so we've got two more of this, this is a fourth part, seemingly, because obviously oh, December's yeah. going to be uh, Endless Winter. So, because of that, I'm kind of like, uh... At the same time, though, I'm like, well, I've read every issue of Flash the start of Rebirth, I might as well just read them, it's only two issues.
1: I didn't, obviously I backed out for a bit, but I, I'm kind of the it's only two issues, so I just kind of suffer through them. Because the first one was okay, but this one... I mean... it's a bit it... of a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, maybe back to being better stuff. Admittedly, I'm not sure how much I like
0: the idea of doing an issue where Barry's like trying to get your speed back, given that we seem to do that like every, you know, every 30, 40 issues of The Flash, we'll get a story about it. Uh, yeah, it's, every two or three years or so. Yeah. So I I don't know. It, it just kind of feels generic and like old tropes at this point, but. It does. It wasn't a terrible read, though, either. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like garbage or anything. It's just kind of. It's. Some weird leaps.
1: Yeah, I, I would, you know, definitively say it's not good. Uh, I would, I, I wouldn't say it's terrible, like the worst thing I've ever read, but it's, you know, weird dialogue, for, you know, and not just like that one particular scene. It's like okay, multiple times, weird, awkward, forced dialogue. You've got weird plot leaps that feel contrived, and uh, just huge coincidences. I wouldn't say um, it's bad either. It's just kind of. I there. think those things do make it a little bit bad. Not terrible, but bad. I think, I think it's bad writing. Uh, I, I do think that. But I don't think... Well, but I'm, it's not, dis- not,
0: I'm not disagreeing good. with that. I'm saying overall, I don't think it's it falls into bad because there's other good things. Those are slightly bad things, but there's also slightly good things that kind of average it out is what I'm saying. So, sure. you know, I, I
1: guess what I'm saying is it's a 5 out of 10. <laughs> That's ultimately what I'm saying. Fair enough. I mean, I think I come down a little bit harsher than you and think it's more of a 4 out of 10. and I think it's, it's it, it is below average of what I expect for this issue. Alright, Suicide so like Squad, issue
0: 10, Tom Taylor writing, Bruno Redondo on the art. So, obviously we had the big ending last issue with Deathstroke. Oh, no, not Deathstroke, sorry. Deadshot. <laughs> and,
1: and this is the penultimate issue as well. That's right, yeah, it the last one. It does kind of feel like it though, to be fair. It does, but it feels weird remembering eleventh, the last one. Like, it, it's just such a weird number to end on. It does feel like it's kind of like you know, wrapping up to its
0: big ending. Explosive, okay. one might say, if it literally ends with the explosion just seemingly about to happen. Yep. Uh, It starts with them catching Deadshot, you know, Aerie uh, flies up, and they're, sh- you know, shocked and hurt, and Harley is really pissed and says, you know, go get the bastard who did this. She puts on a Deadshot mask at one point, uh, out of honour for him, which I thought was kind of oddly sweet. <laughs> So it's harley. a very harley thing to do right uh but they're you know they're, they're grabbing ted and he's like it's not me it's just you know it's Roman. honest it's black mask it's, it's never been me yeah and they're like okay how do we deal with this and we actually have a really fun sequence where they you know they fly after Yeah, uh, a couple of them do anyway uh arian uh blink Wink? blink Wink, thank you i'm starting to get there i'm starting to get there oh yeah it's only taken to
1: the second to last issue. yeah there's a lot of new characters. Hey, these characters are definitely coming back in some form. Just, be so uh, But barring them all somehow dying in, the, in yeah. the last issue. Yes, I
0: agree. But, you know, they're looking for Lola, this 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 character from the past, uh, from Ares' past, uh, who is going to be used as a spawn. And Black Mask disguises himself as her on the plane because that's kind of you know, what we've been establishing is that he can straight up do this now. And tricks, uh wink first of all. And honestly, it looks like, you know, the gunshot may I went off. Tur- turns out they're okay, but uh, we have this standoff and Black Mask uh, gets hit
1: really hard. <laughs> um, and they, they
0: bring, bring him back to, to you know.
1: Yeah, he, he pretends to be wing, and then Aerie shows up. It's like, nah, Wink's like half a sh- foot sh- shorter than that and just whacks him with the wing. Yeah, so they, they go to see,
0: you know, the, the president, the mother, and the secret hiding location and... Say okay, we have to evacuate the the country. We have to do this, and what was funny is that Ted's like, "Hey, let me call in my friends; they can help." And they don't really believe him. And then it's uh, Finn who kind of like you know reads his mind and, and says, "Oh, I think we can trust them."
1: He's blue yeah, beetle, like, and <laughs> he doesn't say that to everyone else. I don't think um, because because the, the you know they're still questioning. Yes, about yes. he, he I think he says, "Oh, he he has another uniform just like us." I think the dialogue and the joke
0: here, of course, is that uh, Harley jumps to a you Batman, and, <laughs> and he's like, "Ah, oh, don't be ridiculous! You think a billionaire would spend his time fighting crime in Gotham?" She's like, "Yeah, you'd have to be effing nuts <laughs> to, yeah. to do that if you are a billionaire." Uh, that that was that was amusing. Uh, I did enjoy Black Mask uh, sort of like taking the face of all the various members of the team that he's killed, uh, Just taunting them. Yeah, and then O'Shea slaps his mask off. And was like, wait, that was disgusting. And we have this really awkward, like, dark humor moment of, like, I didn't realize it was glued to his face. And Harley's like, yeah, it kind of got burned onto it. So you he, don't even get to see it. You just kind of imagine, like, his, some of his face kind of ripped off with it.
1: And it's just yeah. this nasty uh, it, it, thing. Do you know what it looks like? Uh, the, the visual of it is very much um, what they did in the uh, the Deadpool movie. Kind of, like, you know, like what his his face looks like, you know, whether they show it on the side. That's kind of the visual of it here.
0: Oh, you see yeah, you see that later. You don't see that at the start, though, uh, when they first put it off. That's not yeah. until the very end, where you see his actual face. So see, he's like, well, if we're all going to die in this explosion, you're going to die with us. Uh, so, yeah, basically, Zebra Man's... Uh, hold... Sorry,
1: why did you just say it like that?
0: Always because I, that's what Matt says. I don't know. <laughs> that was really weird hearing you say that. I know, I say Zebra, but... <laughs> It's because every time I've heard someone say Zebra Man, they say it the American way. So, so Sometimes I just have brain farts where I'll say things other ways I've heard them. It's just... Do you want me to say Zebra Man a few times so that you can just hear nah, it? Nah, that's fine. That said, though, there's still some things I say that you would think is the incorrect way that I've said my whole life. <laughs>
1: but... Oh, really? Yeah. Well what? I want to know. Give an
0: example. I don't say Shire. I say Shire at the end of all the districts in the UK. And so do multiple people I know, for the record. That's just... Not just this is not just a me thing, this is multiple people I know. That's so bizarre, here.
1: and, like, fundamentally just wrong. Unless you're referring to, of course, the Shire from from Middle-Earth, in which case I will allow it. But, knowing you, I strongly suspect you're not. No, I'm definitely not. Um, anyway, the point is... The point is,
0: is the Zebra Man's uh, containing the blast, right? The, 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 the bubble, the shockwave is being held. He's trying to, anyway. Aye, well, that's the thing. That's the cliffhanger. Of course, is him saying he can't hold it anymore and it's about to go. But yeah. he's he's holding it off for at least for a couple of minutes. Uh, enough, other... that, enough that Harley kind of like, apologizes for making fun of his looking name,
1: and then he admits that he did kind of pick it. He just likes zebras, the, the the majestic animals. Um, which which basically was like, oh yeah, he's dead. <laughs> that's what that moment was for me. Yeah. Um. That's odd. I. Uh, hey, um, it very likely is. I mean, they may be dead. We'll see. We'll see. I think he's the most expendable of all of them. That, that in in, in the sense that I don't think anyone really cares about Zebra Man. I mean, I I,
0: I think DC would let Tom Taylor kill Zebra Man if if they They, they to.
1: seemingly let him kill Deadshot, so I don't think I don't think there's any other restrictions left on the table except maybe Harley. Uh, well, yeah, but I'm sure he had to get that cleared. I was like,
0: you'd have to clear Zebra Man. <laughs> I think I think the editor would see it in the script. I think, think it would be a
1: very quick approval process. No, yeah, no,
0: the, the editor would see it in the script and just go, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> just shrug and don't even <laughs> mention it. Uh, I, I don't think the editor would even try and question it. Yeah. So uh, no, it's an enjoyable issue. Uh, a lot of the big beats, uh, you know, the, the the slapping of the mask off, uh, the the telepath stuff with 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 Ted was fun. Uh, Black mask being a proper dick, uh, solid solid stuff. Uh, and everything feeling like it matters from the rest of the one, and obviously Harley honoring uh, Deadshot's sort of you know honor and demise, yeah,
1: yeah. and, it, and uh, <laughs> there's some really nice lettering moments that I kind of want to point out. Um, they're kind of all along the same lines. Uh, I, I think that I, I really appreciate just you know, just being a bit dynamic. Uh, the the final page is a good example where Zebra you know he's shouting, I can't hold it, and he, he's clearly showing the bubbles all spiky instead of round. The font's kind of big and stretched out. It's at different angles. I uh, I really like that, and there was a similar moment. It was earlier with Harley being, "Oh, you're not Batman, are you?" And and this, all of the, everything was firing all cylinders in that that panel because the uh, the background kind of cuts away. It becomes the big yellow pop idea kind of light bulb uh, kind of thing in the background. Uh, you know, it has the spiky panel for the 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 shock value of it for her. Yeah, I just think you know, just some really good things to give it this extra impact that. Uh, Easy to have a look, but I do think it. I do think it really uh, has an effect that it, you know. That maybe you don't think about it when you're reading it, but it it is working really well. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's a really solid issue. I I almost have very little to say about it just because we've been praising this book since issue one, and th- there's almost nothing new to praise in a weird way. It's just kind of yes, it's as
1: excellent as it's been. It's, it's more of the same, and when I give it a nine out of ten, which I'm probably going to do it's not really a surprise because so I've given multiple issues of this book a nine and this it's, it's, you know, just, all right, this is what I expect from this book now below that. And I'm surprised. I'd probably go with an 8.5 on this one. And it's not because it's, it's still obviously fantastic. It's, but there's
0: definitely other standout issues that have just stood out that much more. So I think this, 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 is the 8.5 and the 8.5 has kind of been the baseline. I don't know if I've no. went below an 8.5 this entire series.
1: I, I think I've, yeah, I, yeah, I may have only gone that low as well. Um, and I think for me, it is little things like those lettering effects. There's a few different ones as well scattered throughout that I really liked. That are kind of bumping it up to the nine, um, just from the craft perspective, because I still enjoyed it just as much as all the other issues. But while I agree, uh, the story doesn't pop quite as much as some of the others it doesn't have quite the impact. But I think just the 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 sheer craft of it kind of drags it up a little bit extra, like an extra half a point. Yeah,
0: so there you go. That is a uh, Suicide Squad. Action Comics 1026, Brian Michael Bendis writing with John Romita Jr. on the art, and oh boy. So, anyone who follows me on Twitter, at Wubble89, if you don't already, um, they'll see that I was reading this. This was uh, the last book. Well, I read my Patreon book last, but this was the last of the new books that I read today. And I left it to last, because I always leave this one till last now, because Romita's art is uh, absolutely, basically, eye vomit. And... It's one of these things where you know they joke about Bendis having a lot of text, and I opened the first page of Action Comics and was greeted with this just the strain of one giant speech bubble from from Brainiac, and it's essentially the first few pages are essentially Brainiac doing the the the, the recap It's the previously on Action Comics uh, stuff. That said, though, and I appreciate Bendis putting those in. However, you can do it in a lot less text. I'll I'll just say that. Because when I, I when I, I open
1: when I saw this
0: when I open a book and there's a speech bubble that literally is like a giant like you know moon shape. How many shape. parts is it broken into? You know, it was like a giant moon shape. If you think of like a you know crescent moon, crescent moon. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, it it's basically looks like that, but made of speech bubbles. It's just you know uh, uh, how many bubbles? I mean, what one, two, three. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen,
1: sixteen, sixteen. eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Sixteen. When you have to start using your finger to follow them so you don't lose track of where you are when you're counting them, there's too many. I do not,
0: uh, disagree with that sentiment. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of two page layouts and spreads in this one, two of which are vertical, uh, which I'm never a fan of. Uh, Reading them digitally is just kind of weird, actually, because it kind of almost just looks like a regular single page, but just slightly wider. But because it's actually two pages, the text is suddenly much, much smaller. <laughs> so it actually mm. it's just kind of annoying. So I'm like, no, why 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 is it the text so small all of a sudden? <laughs> rotate the
1: screen <laughs> to, to read it quickly. Um, well, I'm reading it on monitor, usually. so I mean, I can still, uh, just rotate the... the, the... Orientation with a keyboard shortcut. Um,
0: oh, I don't know how to do a keyboard shortcut, but typically I need to open up my display settings and flip uh, it to, okay. to to portrait, and then.
1: I think I, think I have a, a thing to to let me do keyboard shortcuts for it because I have one monitor that I do swivel. Uh, a lot back and yeah, forth. Yeah, but
0: it's so, swiveling a monitor does take a bit of time. It's not like
1: swi- sw- swiveling a tablet where you just sort of go Voo! like a monitor. No, no, ha- no. But my my point was because I swivel that, I have the the keyboard chalk itself and I know them.
0: The so. uh... yeah. Plus my monitor is like thirty two inches, so the weird thing about mine is is I actually have to tilt it back to spin it to go to portrait because it's too wide. It actually hits the desk if I if I do it without uh sure um so the point i'm making is is that it's too much of an effort to make it an easy thing to do in the middle of a comic where i'm trying to just go flow from page to page it's too much it's too much anyway that's not what this is about the art is atrocious some of this is absolute garbage there's a page like three pages in it's actually page like five and six because it's all two page spreads or whatever but uh, there's just this this panel of supergirl and john Blasting this this parasite. If you, if you remember, the, the end of the last issue is that Connor Kent got struck down. Matt was very upset, thinking that he had been killed. Oh, he thought he was dead. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and they are just blasting this parasite with with their heat vision, and it is like atrocious looking. I, I this art is last issue was maybe one of the lesser like like perpetrators of his bad art. <laughs> Still really bad. But by no means the worst he's had in the book. Uh, this was just bringing it all back. It was all back to the glorious, absolute, Is He's uh, t- determined to win this book with a bang. And just all of it. There's a lot of two pages. The first half of the book is just them fighting this parasite thing. There's a, there's a lot of, like, blasts of heat vision, and then there's a blast of light from the parasite, and they're getting knocked around. Um, that said, though, there was my favorite caption of uh, the entire Bibi series, to be honest. And not just Bendis' run, my my favourite caption of action comics. All one thousand. Uh, all, all whatever issues. Yeah. Uh so when Brainiac 5 is uh recounting things and he's you know, it switched to, switches to narration boxes after the first page. And he's talking about the fight and what's going on, and he explains what happened to Connor Kent, right? At the end of the two page spread, that's the second page essentially. You know, it ends with him talking about you know Connor being shot down, uh not shot, but you know what I mean. Uh at the end of the last issue. And then the first narration box, at the top of the third, again, digital page, so this is like, you know, four and five or five and six, this two-page thing. Uh, The panel reads, it's okay if you don't know who Connor Kent is. (laughs) Oh, baby,
1: that was a great... Oh, it's like this issue exists, Matt. It's a narration box for the ages. I, t- I tell you, he's just not dead,
0: though, right? No, he's not dead. He's back up by the end. Uh, yeah, because the solution—the solution for uh, dealing with the parasite—who Brainy figures out he's from a different Earth, and you know they suspect that maybe that means that Leon also is, which is you know something that was revealed, and it's actually a really interesting character beat. Uh, for her. And, and that's the thing—the like, story of this issue, I think, is fine. This is one of these things where so much of the first half is these two-page spreads that. This was clearly, you know, like, okay, this fight's meant to be big and epic, let's let the artist do their thing. And if this had good art, like, I would love that they devoted half the issue to the fight. Because if this was an artist who could, you know, make me go, wow, look at all these two-page layouts, these are gorgeous, and these big action moments with the whole super family, like, working as one, it'd be wonderful. Instead, I'm like, why Why does Supergirl look like Frankenstein in this panel? Why Why does... <laughs> why? Why does Superboy have just... Two like three lines in his face to represent his eyes and mouth. Like I- I'm asking these questions and I'm I'm being you know disturbed by the the weird kind of sex doll appearances that a lot of his mouths have. I'm I'm very confused by all this and the art is atrocious. Uh, Superman actually flies off and leaves uh, Karen John to deal with the parasite. At one point, he goes to sort of handle Red Cloud who's watching from a distance. Um, but probably one of the little story details that I really liked. Um. Uh when Superman's off uh, separately and Connor's back in the f- the the fray, uh Brainy's there, John's there. Is I did kinda like that Kara it's it's really just a one panel thing, but they're all flying towards uh they're, they're all flying towards uh, Superman fighting Red Cloud. And she it's Kara just naturally becomes the leader of the team. She's kinda like, you know, on my signal and not before. I, I kinda like how it it, it clearly builds hers. No no, she is the one, she's the oldest out of the rest of them. She is the one with the experience, she is the one who should be like leading them. Uh, the actual solution for the parasite is that Brainy goes and gets the, uh, uh, as they put it, the the can him. They, they just they shrink them basically, and uh, put them in like a force field, uh, to the point where Car was cracking. George was, oh, he's so cute. Can I keep him? And just things like that. Um, again, the art is just, <sighs> I, I like the lips. I, I just I don't the lips on like Ramita Junior's art is, is disturbing to me. Uh, but they go to help Superman fighting Red Cloud, uh, and Red Cloud's like sort of like basically it it looks like she's kinda won, maybe, and like consumes Superman, and the rest looks shocked. Uh so that's one clifffire. The other clifffire is that Leon convinces uh Agent Chase and the FBI to arrest Lois. She's basically sort of like accusing Lois of being what she is of being from a different earth and uh tries to frame her. Uh so that that's kinda the Clifffire of the, the Dilly Planet stuff. Which is fine. Um uh, you know, I the story here doesn't bother me. I think the problem with this issue is that it's meant to be you know, outside of the fact that there's maybe too many boxes at the start and uh, speech bubbles in those first couple of pages is that this is actually meant to be an artist showpiece issue. This is meant to be the artist gets to show their chops by doing these big, great fight sequences and unfortunately the the art in these big two-page layouts is not really good. the The layouts aren't that good and it's just, it kind of like... The issue, because it is maybe this art showpiece of these big fight scenes, it kind of hinders it even more than normal. The bad art hinders it more than it usually does overall. So, and I hate this, because I, I like action comics a lot, and I've liked the story he's been telling since the start of the book, you know, since he took over with issue 1000, or 1001. And this, this you know, the, the last half of it being all this art is
1: just completely... How I say ruin Could, could it. you, could you, in good conscience, recommend this run to anyone in the future, knowing that half of it is this? Is is it? What I'm saying is, is it good enough? Assuming it sticks the landing on the story, is the story good enough that you can still say to people it's worth reading through the four trades or whatever it's going to be, or would you be like, no, it's just not worth it? <laughs>
0: It's a tough question, because I think if you're a Superman fan and you want to have read, like, the the bigger stories and runs and whatever, I don't think I would dissuade someone because half of a run has bad art. I would just kind of warn them and just have your expectations in check. But, I mean, on its own, I don't know. Because if I was recommending this, I'd be recommending it with Superman, and I'd be rec- saying, you know, read Event Leviathan, you know, read everything that's
1: you know, relevant. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of saying, is, is Bendis Superman? As a whole, would, would you go, yeah, you know, would you tell people, not ah. people who are just reading everything for completion's sake, you know, would you be like, you know, you should read this, would you recommend it to someone? Well, ben is a Superman, just as, honest. As, as a whole, like, you know, it kind of encompasses action, because I'm kind of assuming people are going to read both series, not just one here yeah well it's again it's
0: like if you care about superman i would say no you should read bendice's run because that's the story of him revealing who he is and that feels like it's going to be an important part of his character i'm sure they'll retcon it eventually or you know will reset or whatever but uh, it feels like an important facet to the character that does and all that stuff is handled very well all that stuff is really good um and so much of this invisible mafia stuff is really good and the, the the reveal of where leon's from and the idea that she's so, like, opposed to Superman because she grew up in a world with Ultraman is actually really fascinating, and he's doing all this stuff, and I just... I don't, I don't... I don't understand why Romita Jr. keeps getting work. I really don't. It hurts me. It hurts me so... Uh, I will say, if I have a complaint about the story, is that Leon convincing uh, Chase and the FBI to arrest Lois at the end of the issue just was kind of easy. Um, And obviously, mm. it's going to go... Get, It'll all get fixed up by the end of the arc, I'm sure, but like, it
1: just... A particularly easy, boring comic book cliffhanger, yeah, which just... we, we do complain about pretty consistently, I think, because yeah. it is a very common problem that you can't hold it against books too much, but it's still annoying. Yeah, it's just kind of whatever.
0: Uh, So, I mean, as far as the rating goes... Uh, this is all in the art. The art is what tanks it. The art, The art is why it's as low as it's going to be and i'm going to go with the three out of ten but it, but it is the art the art got it there but this story with good art would probably be a nice solid eight that is serious tanking yeah you know? um well maybe simply maybe i would uh, to dock for the, the, those egregious bubbles and panels and that uh, i would like to think so in the first couple of pages It's not too bad after that. It's just just kind of that recap section. But seeing that in the first page, it kind of takes the wind out of you when you're starting a book. You're like, oh my God, is it all going to be like this? And lucky
1: it wasn't, but... No, I I get it. I've opened up books like that before. And I've literally opened up a book like that in the shop. And I've been on the fence, so I don't want this. I'll I'll open it up and have a look at the first page. I'll see that. I'll be like, nope, just put it back on the shelf. And then maybe the rest of the book's better. But when you start like that, it's just, it puts you in a bad mood. Yeah.
0: All right. Justice League Dart, issue 27, Ram V. Writing, uh, Amanke in the Hulpin on the art. Uh, on you go.
1: Yeah, this picks up right where we left off with Constantine having been uh, very badly injured uh, by the upside down man. Um, and it, it's basically, you know, he kind of reveals his, his strategy as as to like why, why the upside down man's going to lose here. Because and, and it, it's kind of funny. It, it ties back into uh, what we were actually talking about in uh, the, the death metal one shot this week, uh, the, the Rise of the New God, with um, belief. Uh, it, so much of it comes down to, to belief and the idea that in, 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 in their world, magic has a cost. And it has a cost because they all acknowledge and believe that, yes, magic has a cost. Um, and the Upside Down Man has never had this before. And in his world, He's just, you know, he's all powerful and, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, but now Constantine has planted that seed of doubt. Uh, that seed of doubt, that, and, and that that's enough for the belief that he had in his absolute power to be shaken. Maybe he doesn't believe that all magic has a cost yet, but just the fact that he's kind of gone, but maybe it uh, is enough that, okay, his belief in his absolute power is broken. So now he can be beaten. It is it's kind of the theory here, uh, and that's like the the opening of the issue. Um, and and the rest of it is uh, we we get some gorgeous gorgeous fine stuff. So we actually we have a Wonder Woman con- uh, contact, Cersei. He's like, hey, can I uh, can I borrow that Hecate's power that you that you still had? And but I, I know I know you've been like you know making some nice little green spaces and life, and you know you, you you're doing great over there. I'll, I'll I'll give you all back and let you protect it all, but kind need that power right now. Uh, and that's when we get this just phenomenal double page spread of all of the team kind of bursting into action you know uh you know Wonder Woman kind of going oh we we're gonna protect the earth and you know you got chimp uh, fate swamp thing mamba and Zatanna all kind of having a little moment like that on this uh two- page spread uh you know all in these vertical strips very nicely done uh, and then the the fight begins uh, you know you gorgeous art of Wonder Woman just kind of smashing into the upside down man with a shield uh, she's like glowing white with the hecate symbol as well on her forehead at the minute so she actually has this you know glow coming off her in the in the in the coloring which uh, just works so well you have uh, fate kind of uh, summoning up some chains to bind him and then you know one of them stabbing him with the sword and yeah you know, they're, they're all kind of doing their bit um and Mambat uses his uh, potion that he's kind of been cooking up uh, that that will kind of help restore a bunch of life, but it, it doesn't have the, the biochemical uh, element that it needs. And this is where Swamp Thing seemingly sacrifices himself, or at least his body, to become one with this and uh, to give way into, beca- you know, establishing life in this reality. And because life exists, there's now you know natural law in in this place that before didn't follow any of these you know real world. Rules that we have, and it again this it grounds the place and kind of bring, makes it makes it a reality rather than just this you know pocket dimension of random space that you know anything can happen in it's it's kind of ground, trying to essentially force this place to accept the rules of the world so that they can use the rules to win. Uh, it, it's it's quite an interesting way of using the the rules of magic in, in that sense. Um, Kelly's kind of struggling. He's he's doing his bit, um, but it's it's going to take you know a huge amount of energy. Uh, and Naboo basically is like, hey, Khalid, you, you've done enough. Um, and, you know, uh, out comes Kent. And uh, it's like, look, you know, this is going to probably destroy your body, you doing this. Uh, that's how much energy is going to kind of be channeled through you here, Kent. And uh, is, is Naboo saying this? And Kent's like, oh, that's fine. Whatever, I got this. I've, I've I've had my time. And it's only fair I, I'm the one that takes that kind of sacrifice rather than Khalid because he's got a whole life ahead of him. And and he does, and he lets off this enormous blast on the upside-down man. And it does nothing. Not nothing. I mean, he's he's injured. He's, he's, he's torn apart a bit, but he's still there. He's still kicking. And uh, this is uh, where it comes down to the final moments of the issue where Zatanna is kind of understanding that this has kind of always been down to her. Uh, she's the one that kind of... Had this connection. We've had this uh, Zatara stuff going along for for a while now in in this arc, um, and the part that and backwards magic specifically is stronger here in the up, upside down world. And you know the, the idea that no, of course, and but there the, there must be a cost. And she starts, you know, kind of backwards. You know, my body is your body. You know, I, my mind is your mind. You know, our, our thoughts are one. Our actions are one. And then the the final page is they, they've merged, and it is this. Horrific, I mean that truly, truly horrific uh, body horror image of the upside down man mixed with Zatanna. And like, you know, you've got like Zatanna's body kind of, and then like a lull just be like an upside down man arm and a Zatanna arm sticking out and like the upside down man eyes all over the body just uh, with the mouth, uh, you know, of upside down man and with Zatanna's eyes above it, like, you know, the top half of her head. It's creepy as shit. It's a fantastic drawing. Uh, it's. Brilliant. And and that's, yeah, that's the final cliffhanger. Like, oh, God, what, what the hell have you done? Uh, and I think the next issue is the last issue of not the run, but kind of the run so far. It's going to be closing off this Upside Down Man saga that we've kind of been dealing with since the start. So I believe it's then going into Endless Winter and then obviously we've got Future State. So I'll be coming back in March with kind of the start of Ramby's real run. Like, all this stuff so far that he's been doing has been finishing Tynan's run essentially uh and and this is the the penultimate issue of what Tynan's run kind of was in in many ways um but it delivers on such a high bar of this you know everything is firing all cylinders the art is gorgeous the uh the two-page spread where Swamp Thing's kind of sacrificing himself is phenomenal the coloring on that in particular uh the way it kind of it does a lot of like faded colors at points, but then it's got these glowing purple cosmic light glows around the edges. Um, incredible stuff, and and the way the uh, the lighting is worked on, you know, the the colors of the lighting are worked around like Doctor Fate's spells. Uh, it's so vibrant this issue, um, and it's offset against just lots of panels of sheer blackness and and just the sky or you know in, in this in this universe uh, that just this dichotomy of it is, is kind of what works so well and, and and fundamentally ties in really well thematically with what's going on here with, with the tanner at the end. Um so yeah everything's just firing all cylinders. Um this is a nine for me.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh
0: so that will take us on to the Patreon books. No oh, sorry. Sorry. There's one left. I almost forgot the book. My bad. Batman's, uh, not Batman v Superman, God, no, please no. Batman Superman issue 13, <laughs> Joshua Elmson writing with Max
1: Rader on the art. So, <laughs> it, it, sure, like, we've been enjoying this book. Yes. It says a lot that I also almost, like, when you were like, oh, I your book, I was like, yeah, of course it is. I had also forgotten this existed temporarily. Sure,
0: no, nah, this book's such a fun, breezy read. It's very pulpy. It's kind of this great standalone little adventure, separate from the universe for the most part. But you know, yeah, yeah, it is kind of separate and it's, it's yeah. You know,
1: but like I always enjoy reading it. And... <laughs> I yeah, I do as well, but I do think this is possibly the most forgettable issue that it's had.
0: Yeah, that's kind of fair. I mean obviously we ended with uh stealing Batwoman coming to the moon, even though Batman was trying to tell them that no one should come to the moon. But they come anyway. They fight a robot version of Doomsday. And There's there's a lot of just fighting robot villains in this issue. There is. There's some fun to be had. I, you know, I like Batman like breaking the the Bane robot's back. That was kind of a nice little touch. Sure, yeah. Yeah, just the little things like that. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, that's just what it was. Like, seeing the robot designs of someone, like, robot Two-Face, robot Scarecrow, uh, robot, like, Slyther, uh, Yeah, Man-Bat. The idea that, that Batman corrupts the computer by, like, forcing it to make a robot Joker because it'll be so unpredictable that <laughs> that it'll just start to it'll run rogue and turn yeah. on itself. Yeah. It'll cause chaos. That's some fun ideas uh, with that. Yeah, yeah it's probably... Uh, I'm not even necessarily a weaker issue, just a, a, a less inventive issue, because it's mostly just like, hey, robot versions of villains fighting, bang, bang, shit, shoot. It
1: is. It's, it's one of the few issues that I couldn't pin down to having a, a point to with this book, where mo- most of hmm. like, the issues, even the stories that are... Like I say, you know, they're, they're fun, kind of pulpy stories. Generally speaking, each issue has a thing that. Okay, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing this issue. This issue, it seems to be, we're going to fight robot versions of villains, and that's its thing. And that's a little bit unengaging, as I think, to what this book is capable of. Yeah, I will say so.
0: The the book ends with the, the AI kind of making a a half Superman, half Batman robot, and wants to like, be a villain. So it goes to Earth to cause chaos, and you know, it's literally split down the middle. Like you know, the the left is Superman, the right is Batman. Capes, you know, split down the middle as well. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about the last page though I really liked the touch that the heat vision's only coming out of the one eye uh, Yeah. That, that, I don't know why but for some reason that little detail just really made me smile
1: I, I do think the art is pretty solid in this issue, um, it's not like my favourite art ever but it's pretty good and yeah, yeah. I think that's very important in this issue because this issue is what like 75% fighting uh, and if that wasn't you know, visually appealing to look at this would be a terrible issue Action comics <laughs> exactly,
0: yeah. So, this is this was Planet Brainiac part two. It's one of these things where it took me like a page to remember what the hell happened in the last issue. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 all this robot stuff, and yes, yeah, Brainiac, and there was a mystery, and <laughs> Batwoman and Steel are coming to help, uh, yeah.
1: So, yeah. And, uh, I think I, I liked part of the robot stuff where it started, like with the Riddler, we spent a few pages dealing with him, like. Mm-hmm oh, yeah, we're doing the riddles while he's playing the chess game. There's a bit of a distraction. but And that was kind of fun. We spent, like, two or three pages on that, and then it just devolved into let's fight four villains at once almost, you know, like, just straight through, one after the other. And it kind of lost any feeling of actually doing anything with them. Uh, and that's kind of where the issue... I won't say lost me, because it's not bad, but it, it's where it you know, lost some of its strength, uh, is, is kind of actually playing with the villains and just kind of becoming a, a punch them up I'll say it's
0: kind of odd... Cause... Is Because it, it's not like the art's not incredibly detailed, because it is, but it's kind of weird to me that the Daily Planet globe doesn't say Daily Planet on it in the last page. And it's not a big deal, but it's just a weird thing that I'm like, it's not a lot of effort to just write Daily Planet on it.
1: <laughs> in
0: the grand scheme of things. Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, I'll be honest, that that doesn't bother me too much, but I, I get where you're coming from. I
0: just not, it's a bit odd. I feel like, it's one of those details that I feel like most artists would put in because they care about it, and it's just it's weird. It's weird seeing it with I don't know. Uh, on the weird side, but um, yeah, it's okay, it's perfectly readable. Uh, probably one of the the lesser issues of this book, but certainly still fun enough to read. Uh, you know, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree. It's a, you know, nice little six, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, so yeah, now we're on the Patreon books. Uh, we both have one, so I'll it's... let you go first. Uh, you're doing undiscovered countries issue something, I assume.
1: Uh, issue nine, yes. Um, go. I'm half the press this week because uh, this this is new this week. Uh, j- just about made it into the month. I don't. I, I hope it's still on schedule for next month as well. Uh, otherwise, I'll have to. I'll have to check. Uh, this is uh, Scott Snyder and Charles Soule writing with uh, Giuseppe Cammaroli and uh, Leonardo Marcello Grassi on, on art. And this is uh, very much continuing on, but gives us a lot of answers in this issue uh, about what this world is and uh, very specifically what this particular region is uh this zone because uh, we're in the unity zone now uh as opposed to destiny where the first arc was um and you know there's a little bit of a side bit with uh the destiny man he kind of came through at the end and he gets sucked into the uh what, what we're kind of you know I, I was describing it before as like the the web the web the, the kind of like spider silk web um it's actually like a, a nanotech thing that is that they can control, and it's their defense system here. Uh, it like sucks him in. Uh, there's a bit where he, he kind of talks to a digital Sam Elgin, but I'll, I'll kind of come back to that because I do need to explain what some of the answers are as to what this place is, because there is a, quite a bit of exposition here. Uh, so we do pick up right where we left off last time, where the Graves' parents are seemingly alive and just in their old house. and. They're still young, uh, much like Sam William was, and it's kind of weird. And it's like, what's going on? Um, it turns out they're also, I think, nanotech, like everything here uh, in this city or most things. But they are create. They are as real as they can be. Uh, basically, everyone who lives in this zone is linked. Uh, they, you know, they have an uplink to this world. That's how they can control it. You know, this, this city, um, and the uplink takes everything from their memories and it uses everyone's memories to compile a composite image of things and in this case people so because it has like however many people knew their parents even even though they're presumably dead um, because they knew them there's enough there that they've reconstructed like oh, ai versions of them essentially that are basically real and they're, they've got all the records and all the memories we could reconstruct and all the stories we ever heard, um, so all that uh, it's it's interesting it, it is uh, it's unique and um ace is is pretty excited about this place because uh, he's into all the technology. He's like, is there a way I can kind of interface with this? And they basically tell him, not fully because you need to live here and you know, be capable of that. Uh, but we can give you like limited access. They give him like a little thing to stick on his finger that connects him, and he can. Create things out of the out of the ground. You know, he can control the nanotech now. Um, and he goes off in his his van that he recreates, uh, and they get uh, I don't want to say ranted at, but expositioned at of just okay, this is what happened uh, essentially. Um, they told you know we, we've been hearing about Aurora and what their plans were, and, and what and, and it kind of boils down to they they wanted to. Recreate what it meant to be American, but boil it down into its distinct individual parts so the destiny zone uh, uh, which is where we spent the first arc was libertarianism at its extreme uh it was everyone can do whatever they want uh, you know no no regulation, nothing just go wild um but they would kind of, in return they'd kind of be providing a lot of the food and agriculture and uh the genetically modified creatures that we saw before. They were to be eaten, essentially. Uh, Unity, which is where we are now, their purpose was to be the, the technological branch and, and they'd, they would create all the new technologies going forward. And the idea was there was going to be 13 zones with a centralized federal government that would oversee. However, people kind of quickly realized that because there's not this, you know, melting pot of what the cultures are and mixing. They didn't want a federal government. They didn't want this centralized system. So they became 13 separate entities, essentially, that kind of uh, stopped working together. So each one represents an ideal or a characteristic of what, what you know they believe it means to be American. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what the remaining 11 are. I don't think they've told us much yet. Um, but yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, and that's why yeah you know, they created this this world and you know they haven't got they haven't created a, a cure for the the sky virus yet because they never needed to because uh the sky virus never got through their air filters so they're like well I'm sure we could create it with some samples we're we're pretty good at this shit um but they just haven't yet uh so that's still uh, available um but you know Ace and his van uh, you know uh, they're told hey you know don't go out past the the shore um. Because obviously they're creating bridges as they, as he goes, you know, and do like loop to loops and stuff and uh, could go wherever he wanted. You know, they can keep making these bridges across the shore, but they're told not to, and a big hand kinda of pops up and stops them essentially. Uh, the at the shining sea, this is where they are. And um and this is where, you know, kind of I'm gonna flash back to the, the uh the Destiny Man stuff. He's kinda of inside the system. You've got this digital Sam Elgin talking to him and being like, Yeah, yeah, you know, there's no point struggling. All our defenses, we got you here. Um, but he's corrupted it somehow. Destiny Man, I don't know ex- exactly what he's done, but he he talks about how, you know, his version of Sam Elgin, they, they have all the same memories and he broke him and he took those memories and somehow he's broken into this system and he kind can, of he can treats it like a virus and corrupts then this Sam Elgin, everything starts kind of falling apart uh, that hand collapses you know, breaking apart and and things are just crumbling and breaking and uh, yeah, it's it's not looking good, and uh, Destiny Man's you know going around going, you know, this land is my land. Uh, it's very clear what his purpose is that, that he wants, uh, and you know, it's it's very interesting to see what his objective is going to be next and how he plans on because he felt like he was going to be kind of quite throwaway almost at the start of the first arc, uh, but it seems like he's actually going to be a lot bigger. Um, but Ace and he's with the the journalist who's in, with him in the van. Uh, basically, once the hand vanishes, they're like, I mean, oh, the barrier's gone now. It's like, we should turn back. And he's like, well, we could. Or, and then turns his, his van into like a, a a hovercraft boat, essentially. And he's like, but that's not the American way. And off they go. And uh, that's the end of the issue. I, I briefly check in with the graves. They kind of have a conversation with their parents, kind of trying to accept whether or not this is real, how much they actually know. Um. Uh the, Daniel talks about you know, well, I got this message and you, and they're like, Oh yeah, we know about that. We've got the memories of that. That was kind of that's we, we do we we do cut off at a certain point, but up till that we we were aware of that. Um uh, but there was a second half, there was there was some for you as well, Charlotte, and and you know, well obviously you never saw it. So like, oh we, you can see it if you want, and they're they're just starting to play that as um as Destiny Man kind of messes with everything, so it kind of corrupts immediately. And they don't actually see much of the message. Um, so uh, again, a lot of exposition, but a lot of important world building and establishing what this is, uh, with a, a smattering of character beats sprinkled through. Uh, uh, overall, uh, art's pretty solid. Uh, lots of really white space. Strong use of white in this issue, given uh, you know the the nanotech is kind of has that appearance. Very interesting. And then when it's corrupted by Destiny Man at the end, it all kind of goes turns to black, uh, and. Visually very striking, uh, I'll say. Um, I overall, I'm going to give it a seven point five. I am knocking points because it is like when that page is where they're explaining the uh, the exposition of the the, you know what the various zones were, how this was created. It is an extremely dense two pages of just here's this information and visually isn't that appealing it's mostly looking at like the city and like a couple of little events around it like reconstructed out of the city um, see so, yeah, I think it could have been told in a more dynamic way uh, I would say perhaps uh, but yeah uh, pretty interesting stuff cool um,
0: so my Patreon book uh this week last I mentioned this before car started has been a few Patrons, at certain tiers, uh, get to pick a book from your car to read every month, and that's over at patreon.com slash TV. But yeah, the, the book that I'm reading today is Animal Man issue 2. I did issue 1 last month, so it was kind of fun. Oh. Uh, you know, diving back, I said Grant Morrison's Animal Man, of course. And last issue kind of ended in this cliffhanger, is very The Thing-esque kind of monstrosity of all these monkeys that have merged together, and... Buddy had been called in to kind of investigate it. Uh this issue, you know, obviously has him talking to the doctor about it at Star Labs. You know, what what possibly is this? What's happening? All these monkeys are crying out. The doctor sounds kind of impressed by it almost in kind of a creepy way. Uh talks about how the uh the, the nurse working down the hall kinda kinda found it. Uh interestingly, she claims to have seen a giant cockroach leave the scene of the crime. <laughs> Which And we never quite saw what the, you know, the quote-unquote beast that we've been kind of, like, following in the villainy sections uh, is. But, uh, there's a sense that maybe it is mutating, that maybe it does change into big, giant animals. And, you know, that'd be an interesting, obviously, nemesis for for Animal Man, because he just takes the powers of animals if the villain actually takes the form of the animals. And kind of a grotesque, the thing-esque way. That's kind of interesting. Uh, But it's just a sort of a tease at this point. Uh... I was interesting to see actually where Superman kind of shows up, where Superman sort of comes to say hi because he, he he noticed them, but he actually speed off quite quickly because there's a, like a plane somewhere, you know, in trouble. And on, on the phone, uh, Ellen's kind of like, "Oh, did you invite him for dinner? I, was like, I can't just invite Superman for dinner." It's sort of like kind of doing this weird thing where it's showing you how sort of out of his depth, but he is being in the superhero game and like how sort of much more low rent he feels compared to like the the big guns. Um. But he takes the powers of a dog so he can smell the uh, the cockroach and sort of look around the city for it. And he's looking around, uh, he has an awkward interaction with, with the fan who gets an autograph, but then he's like, oh wait, I thought you were Aquaman. I don't want your autograph. Animal Man. You're lame. Which is really funny. It's almost like doubly insulting because Aquaman is the one who's like
1: traditionally the joke character. I, I do think that's kind of the point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's... Gives me it's me a smirk. Uh, but, yeah, eventually, Buddy's attack. But it's, it comes after a, a scene where the villain, the, the beast, essentially picks up a rat and smooshes it into a homeless man's face. But it's like it starts to, like, sort of merge with his face. Which, you know, c- given w- what happened to the monkeys, you maybe suspect that this is kind of the same thing that's happening here, that he has the ability to kind of fuse life forms together. Um, and I was, I'm, a little bit confused actually. Well, I'm not confused per se. I mean, I think it's obviously something the book's going to get to, but I just don't know which way it's leaning towards right now. That in the next scene, when a giant humanoid rat monster attacks Buddy, I am not sure if this is supposed to be the homeless man who's mutated because the beast did this to him, or if this is the beast himself who is mutated into a a rat man. As it, you know, assuming he can mutate into various. Man-rat, maybe better. People with Man-bat. I apt. mean... Because uh, Rat-Man rat makes you think of Batman, so it's, so it's like a guy in a rat, like, mask. So that's Rat-Man. But Man-rat is like Man-bat, okay. and it's a mutated. I'm I'm with you. There's a logic there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, So we get this fight scene where Buddy's caught off guard just after he's getting off the phone, uh, and he's thrown around into a car. There's like a pimp walking by with a prostitute But it's all just a setup because he's yelling at her for getting. Because he's like, Oh, I I said you could get a pet. I didn't, you know, expect you to get something from a horror movie. She's like, It's a mantis. Which is obviously just a sly little tease for the fact that Buddy's looking around for like animal life forms that he can copy to try and fight back. And he's like, Wait, a mantis? They're relatively quite strong. (laughs) And so he starts picking up cars, and we have the, the giant rat monster jumping into it and all that. All that stuff's super exciting. It's really fun. It really is a different uh, vibe from the first issue, where it's like a proper, you know. I, I, and I'm not just saying this because it's a rat. Because I'm I'm not even trying to compare it because you know of Splinter. But it does feel very teenage mutant ninja turtles, like having him fight this rat monster kind of in the street. It just I don't know like, that, that kind of vibe I get from it. Uh, eventually, though, uh, we have very surprising ending. To, uh, there's some subplot stuff that I'll go back to, obviously, but the surprising ending to this issue is that the rat swipes at buddy and you think okay so he's he's been slashed he's going to be bleeding or whatever and then the page after there's these panels it kind of slowly does this reveal that he looks down and his arm's been cut off but he ends this issue missing an arm and he's going into shock and he's losing focus and like from his blurry field of vision we can kind of see what looks like the rat monster changing or the man separating from the rat Which, and this to me implied more it was the villain himself rather than the homeless man who had been turned into a rat monster. But again, I'm sure that'll be more clear as we we get more of this. Uh, But he's lying there and he's basically passing out and that's kind of the end of Buddy's uh, stuff. The the, the final page is him lying there, full page spread, with just blood pouring from this. And I'm like, okay. As far as I know, Buddy's never been a one-armed man. So I'm fascinated to see how we resolve
1: this. I don't recall because it's been a while since I've read this, but in theory, just knowing Animal Man in general, if if you brought him near a starfish, starfish can regrow limbs, right? Uh, ah, yeah, 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 okay, all right, all right. I see,
0: I see, I see where we're going with this. Then potentially, it's that's no, interesting. It's a really big, grotesque arc. It's it's kind of funny that I think both issues so far have ended with something that feels like out of a horror movie, <laughs> whereas the the rest of the issues don't really feel quite like that. But then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, here's this horror movie kind of ending. Uh, which is not a complaint. I, I enjoy that. Uh, the other clifffire is kind of uh, unexpected. So there was a scene in the first issue where there was a group of guys going hunting, and they were drinking, and they were kind of presented as being these kind of slobby assholes, but that was kind of, it was just one page. This issue, we see them, like, hunting to kill like a deer, uh, near where a cat's been hunting like a, a mouse. And I think the idea of a cat hunting, or, uh, uh, you know, a rodent. Is obviously kind of a, almost a, a foreshadowing of the rat that comes in later, but that's actually what the first page of the book is. um But basically, it turns out by the end of the issue that this is actually relatively near Buddy's house, and his wife Ellen goes into the forest with Maxine, and Maxine's off looking at an animal or something, and she and it's Ellen that finds the deer and is like, "Oh, what's happened to you?" And two of these guys with their guns and like, you know, drinking the the beer and they've got their one of them's got like the, the camo on. Uh they basically look down at her in a very kind of suggestive way, you know, because uh, they, they refer to, oh, this forest like a garden of Eden, there's tons of stuff to kill. And he just sort of ends with them saying, Oh and we just found Eve in a very intimidating kind of way. I was not expecting this to lead to like, oh, his wife's gonna be in some kind of danger from these uh, you know, rednecks for lack of a better term. Uh, so that was an interesting development. Um, I did not expect her to like sort of be in a plot where she's put in danger like this. Uh, certainly this early. So uh, I wasn't sure where the plot with these characters was going, but I, I, I don't think I was pre- predicting this that they were going to be near where Buddy lives. So, uh, that's definitely an interesting shift. Uh, and it kind of teases it as well because the first sort of sign is that uh, Maxine finds a kitten. And one of the things in the very first page of the book is that the cat that kills the uh the, the rat or the mouse, it uh like takes it back to its this little litter of kittens. Uh, so this is kind of a tease. Oh wait, we're in that part of the geography. We're we're there, we're there where these guys are. Um and then of course it does the intimidating ending. Um Yeah, so I, I, that stuff's uh I'm certainly intrigued to see where that goes. Um I do wonder if the neighbor, because it makes a point of showing her walking past the neighbor when she's leaving with, uh, with the kid. Uh, he's kind of like just wanting to be left alone and sort of he's got the hat over his face while he's sunbathing uh, and says, ah, my wife's away to the the, the store. Leave me alone kind of attitude. Um, I, I suspect that might come into play and sort of like helping her out next issue. But I, I do appreciate the the book making his family kind of like important enough to have subplots on their own even when he's not there and um, admittedly like okay sure yeah maybe this will result in him having to come back and sort of be the hero but given that he's just been in a fight where his arms been sliced off he's a little bit preoccupied right now and has no idea that any of this is going on so i think giving her her own predicaments giving her own time to be a mother to to the kid and like be the one who's trying to protect her daughter uh it's certainly going to do a lot for these other, like, characters to make them feel like they're not just Buddy's wife and kids. And maybe the kids will always feel kind of like plot devices, because kids often do. Because unless they're the focus, and they're, they're written as the main characters, they they often feel that way. But I think yeah. giving her enough where she doesn't just feel like she's the wife character, she's actually got her own plots, and she's protecting the kids on her own, and build her up as this character in her own right, is probably a very smart thing to do. And it doesn't surprise me that Morrison is probably going to do that, just based on these first couple of issues. Um, but yeah I think a lot of this is showing that Buddy's out of his depth I mean th- the meeting with Superman to make him feel like you know Superman's obviously very nice to him he shakes his hand he's like oh I wanted to say hi because I saw you as I was flying by and whatever but you know to having him stand next to Superman who is you know, the quintessential DC comics superhero and then like he's struggling and th- this autograph incident and then he's like in this fight with this rat monster and he's getting his ass kicked it does kind of feel like ah oh, shit where's Superman I really could use his help about now and it does feel like, you know, he kind of dove into this head first being all, uh, maybe not cocky, but maybe just being a little bit naive as to how easy it was going to be and naive as to like, how simple it would be to just be a superhero. Like, oh, I've got these powers, so it'll be easy to be a superhero. Mm. Um, uh, So I, I think that's a lot, what a lot of this issue gave me. But I think the, 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 the body horror stuff, you know, from the thing ending of last issue with all the monkeys being fused together, and then this issue having his arm cut off, or even just the image of the rat being smooshed into the face of the the homeless guy uh definitely gives it this kind of gnarly kind of 80s horror movie edge that i don't know if i was expecting quite as much but um i I just like having the villain be revolving around animals and all that is a really smart idea it it feels like a proper arch nemesis kind of thing i mean obviously superhero villains are kind of all too often the, the, the 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 big bad is you know the just the evil version of the main character and there's exceptions to that you know batman gets away from that by having like a total opposite there there are kind of you know raz al kind of the you know the evil batman in in some ways is the closest thing to the main ones you know superman does have zod but lex is kind of the main one but there's a lot of superheroes who the, the the evil one or the main villain is just the evil version of who the main character is it happens a lot you know um Across both companies, uh,
1: I, Flash is an easy
0: example. Flash is an easy example. Uh, it was it became really noticeable in the Marvel movies with, with with the characters I didn't know very well. So when I saw the movies, I was kind of discovering their villains for the first time. And like you know, watching Ant Man and being like, oh, Yellow Jacket just evil Ant Man. Oh, I mean the first two Iron Man movies. Sure, sure, Iron Man movies. Uh, Black Panther's another one where I'm like, oh, this guy's just evil Black Panther. Uh, and he's literally got a Black Panther suit by the end. Um, but don't get me wrong. He is a lot more interesting and has a lot more characteristics going for him that make him actually a really fascinating villain in a superhero movie versus everyone else. But the fact, the point I make is the, the final fight is just two Black Panthers fighting each other is what it looks like. Um, With a slightly different color glow from what yeah. I recall of that movie. Yeah, so you know, a lot of... You know, but I think this has got the interesting twist on it of like, no, it's an extra sort of more like body horror twist of, no, there's actually mutating into the, the animal's and taking it more literal, whereas Buddy's just taking the the, the skills of the and, animal.
1: And you got to then think, okay, well, Buddy can take the skills. Presumably, he can swap out for different skills based on what's nearby. Like mm-hmm. in in a reasonably quick, you know, flash, he can change. Well, I haven't went back and looked at
0: the like, the first issue, but I wonder if that's also true of the villain, like because because you know, he's obviously in contact with the rat. Assuming he is the rat monster himself, he's yeah. in contact with the rat in this issue. And you know they're in a city. It's not you know out of the realm that he was in close in proximity to a cockroach before he went into no, the. No, not
1: at all. But that wasn't my. my what I was going to say yeah. was, uh, okay, even if he can change, and or you know he was the cockroach and the right, that's fine. And it's proximity based. He's still like just doing a physical mutation will take longer than, sure, but yeah, he's yeah. just you know switching the power set internally. So that kind of gives him a a bit of a weakness in that sense. There's a, there's a time to exploit. Yeah, for sure. Ah, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I know
0: I'm fascinated. I'm enjoying the book so far. Um, I'm glad that I'm reading through it, and uh, can thank a patron for that. So, uh, it's no, a very good run. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Two issues in, I'm digging what it's doing. Um, particularly with Buddy and the the, the horror stuff. But uh, I I did not expect this issue to, to end with an arm being <laughs> ripped off. Uh, so there you go that's issue two of old man uh, I'd happily give that a solid 8 out of 10 maybe uh, even 8.5 so there you go uh, that will take us on to the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week favourite panel slash moment favourite art favourite cover and then rank our top five books so uh, what is
1: your favourite panel slash moment uh, I'm actually going with Suicide Squad I'm going with mm-hmm. the panel of uh, Harley being a you know, wait you're not Batman because I was the review, I think Every aspect of the team, writing, your know, pencils, colours, letters, all just firing on all cylinders for that that particular panel out of anything else in that book.
0: Yeah, Suicide Squad's got a lot of moments that I could pick. Even three Jokers, despite the fact that overall there's a lot of issues, there's definitely a couple of moments in there that are really good. Mm-hmm. Um I'm kinda I am kinda tempted though to go with the uh, Rise of the New God and go with uh but basically, the sort of towards the end, the moments of the, the the chronicler, uh, kind of, essentially, essentially, seeing the history of the DCU, and yeah, those sort of moments of realization. I don't know if there's maybe one particular one that I'd pinpoint,
1: but I get that. I had the same thing with that book. I considered, you know, because yeah. I'm sure you do the same. When when you get to this every week, you consider a handful of different things, unless there's an obvious one that jumps out to you. But I did consider. Some of the the fight pages in that mm. between you, know, you know the the Batman and Perpetua, like the I, the planet smashing or something.
0: I realize maybe I'm cheating a little bit by not having a specific example that I that I want to point out and say that one in particular, but just kind of those those moments with that sentiment, uh, mm. were, were kind of nice. But so I'll, I'm going to go with that. Uh, what's your cover of the week?
1: Uh, that's that's a good question. There's there's quite a few covers I actually quite like this week. Um. I really like the uh, the boss logic variant for uh, Rise of the New God. Um, that's nice. I like the Suicide Squad variant, uh, Travis Moore. Um, I might just go with the Wonderland variant though, uh, which I know is an easy answer. That I do a lot. It's a Middleton one. Um, I think I just like how simple it is. Like it's it's nothing fancy. It's not even a, a particular like fancy pose. It's just like a a headshot. Uh, but it's just gorgeously rendered uh, art, and yeah, I, I think I'll go with that. Okay, I also
0: like the variant for uh, Rise of the New God. Um, the variant for Action is actually pretty good, although I remember no- noting this when we did the solicits with this issue, that John's shockingly looking like Wesley Crusher uh, on it,
1: but uh, it is pretty nice otherwise. <laughs> I think I, I I I looked at that one I'm not sure. I'm a big fan of the the Superman body. Like the proportions, just look a bit off with everything else to me. But I like the composition and a lot of the rest of it.
0: Yeah, I I think uh, Supergirl probably stands out as looking the best out of the the four characters on that that cover. Um, mm. Very lifelike, uh, very realistic yeah. art style and shading. Um, that said, though, that said, though, um. I was kind of bouncing around what cover to pick, but I, I actually quite like the uh, the variant for uh, Batman Superman as well uh, by Mark Brooks. Uh, uh, one's okay. I didn't love that one. Um, on the shiny I mean, side. i probably go with the Rise of the New God variant. I, I just like the black on red, sort of demonic looking Batman, but um, yeah, that's yeah. my pick.
1: Uh, so then from there, uh, best art of the week? Uh, for all the faults with the book, it's still fabric for Three Jokers. Um, and that's with you know, some pretty good art this week. I, I really liked uh, Just League Dark. I really liked Suicide Squad. Um, Those also had very good art, uh, but three uh, jokers. Um,
0: I'm going Suicide Squad.
1: Mm, okay.
0: It just takes it from me. And that's that's been consistently a fantastically drawn book. It has, yeah. uh, Between both uh, artists, but uh, yeah, that was Suicide Squad. Uh, It's all right then, top five books of the week, go.
1: Uh, Number one is going to be Suicide Squad. Uh, Two is going to be Justice League Dark. Three would be uh, Rise of the New God. Those are the only three I actually feel strongly about this week, which is a little bit of a shame. Uh, after that, I, I guess it's Wonder Woman and then Batman Superman, but, and both of those are perfectly fine issues. But I feel like there's a bit of there's quite a jump between my feeling on you know New God at three and then Wonder Woman at four. That should be my positivity every week. You are. Uh, yeah, I'm really positive about those three books. My number
0: one is Suicide Squad. My number two is Rise of the New God. Number three is. Um there's probably three well, Yeah, Yeah. Wonder Woman and then four's probably three Jokers. For all its faults, there's a lot of things in there that I do quite like. And then number five uh it's definitely not that. Um definitely not that. But I think by default
1: it's Batman Superman. But, yeah. Well two the ones you brushed over. One of them was definitely action. What was the other one that definitely wasn't. Uh, Flash. Uh okay, yeah. So
0: there you go. Yeah, I read seven books so at least those two. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh so there you go that is uh that is our picks for the week uh, i will tell you what's coming next week from dc comics we have batman issue 102 justice league 56 that's more of the uh the metal death metal you know tie-in arc and uh, we have deceased dead planet issue 5 young justice issue 20 uh which i think is the penultimate issue of that book and uh, we have tales from the dark multiverse batman hush issue one so we get one of those one shots Mm. We have Batman The Adventure Continues, issue 6, Hellblazer, Rise and Fall, issue 2, uh, The Dreaming, Waking Hours issue 4, Sweet Tooth, the Return, issue 1. That's an interesting one where I have read all of Sweet Tooth, so I might read that and talk about it next week. Uh, even though, obviously, it is kind of a separate thing. But a Black label's kind of been fair game. And honestly, I don't see why that's any less relevant than, say, any of the uh, Hill House books were. Um,
1: it's... Probably not, but I'm just going to leave it and wait and read it in a trade later.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's basically, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, rather, well, it's not quite a week. So it's just another reason why I'll probably do it. Um, so that's what's coming uh, next week. So
1: yeah. yeah, it is a pretty quiet week. Um, a little bit cautious about the the Dark Multiverse. I'd kind of forgotten those were coming back, and well, we enjoyed quite a lot of those before. Uh, there was a a direction that those had, an overarching direction. I'm intrigued to see if this it, has something now or if it's just more oh, kind of cash-grabby.
0: Yeah, I wonder if... like, Okay, we've actually been very impressed with how essential all of the death metal stuff is. And this isn't actually built as a death metal tie-in, but it kind of is in a weird sort of surrogate way. I wonder if these are the ones that just feel like, ah, these are the cash grabs. These are the ones that don't feel justified. Whereas mm. I think all the other one-shots have actually mostly felt...
1: They have, ve- and uh, at the, at I mean, think, ver- to be fair, this one doesn't label itself as Death metal. At the
0: very least, they've all felt worth reading and not a rip-off, if not outright essential. So, I mean, that's a good skill to have when it comes to your, your tie-ins. Um yeah. So, nah, uh, there you go. Uh, so, that's what's coming next week. And we only have, like, five new books. Uh, and I think that's me including Sweet Tooth for me. Yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, four, yeah. five, oh, six, no, six including Sweet Tooth. Uh, so i think because of that uh, we probably will have some questions next week i'll ask on twitter uh, i'll remind you the email right now to send longer questions if you want to do it there instead uh, mailed fuzz no mftvquestions at gmail.com I just, it takes me a, a second but i've not said it in a while <laughs> mftvquestions at gmail.com uh, if you want to send any questions for the show next week please i encourage you to do so because it has a, lo- lo- a short list of books i don't expect there'll be a lot of news either so even if we do a Patreon book each, we're probably still going to have some time for some, some questions. Yeah, so, I'm pretty sure I'm doing
1: a Patreon book next week. Get over and
0: done with. Yeah. Uh, so please do. Um, I'll ask again on uh, Twitter as well, at DC Comics Podcast, of course. And speaking of Patreon, I will take this time to thank our wonderful Patreon producers. So thank you to Tyler Hess, and the Palacios, David Short, especially thanks to David Short because he makes car Connor regretted. Uh, Thanks to D- Bordnow, Al Chisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown uh they are patreon producers which means they're patrons at 20 dollars or more per month um but you can of course support us for as little as one dollar per month and that helps uh, show your support keep all the content coming and worth mentioning that one dollar per month is actually more than what we would make if you watch every video we put out on a mail tv uh the youtube channel which is you know tons of stuff that's not the comics podcast as well uh, so you know, a dollar is a lot I never think it isn't uh, and never feel like that's not enough uh, that said though if you can't afford it, I think that is okay do not feel bad uh, hitting the like button on YouTube and commenting all these things do help a lot with the YouTube algorithm and help us find more audience members as does of course rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get a podcast from giving us 5 stars and a review all these things help spread the show spread engagement and drive more people uh, to us um, so please any and all of those things are wonderful.
1: So there you go. That's my uh, my sales pitch uh, at the end. Um, but we're yeah, ready, we're uh, pretty good. Uh, all I would say is, if if you're in America, make sure if you haven't already, you do go and vote next week. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, obviously, don't mail in anymore. It's too late. But just go and vote and vote out the orange cheese dick would be nice oh yeah that's not sure could it vote biden for the love of all things please uh yeah yeah w- w- <laughs> yo, w- w- yo i know there's a lot of places going oh, you just make sure you vote yo, that's great definitely vote but yeah do, do responsibly
0: <laughs> yes vote, vote 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 the one who isn't yes the the the, the cheeto anyway uh, that is uh <laughs> that is that is the show uh that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.